The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Big sales! I was just telling Tone, hey, man, I'm a big conspiracy guy, okay? I like conspiracies. Ever since the Chinese government flew that balloon over America, man, the weather's been weird. I don't know. I'm a conspiracy guy, and the Chinese government, they hate America. This is never aimed at the folks, but the government, you know, they hate us. Man, our, our, our weather's never been the same anyway. Two weeks. We are away. Two weeks from the NFL draft. Storylines are some of the best. You know, the NFL has done one of the absolute best jobs on the planet during the offseason. They are front page, and they're not even playing. Can you imagine that? You, you are the headline stories. NBA basketball, okay, the playing games. I mean, you're not moving the needle. That's not making me have appointment setting, right? It's not. Baseball, I love people that break baseball games down 11 games into the season. Wake me up in 20 games. I'll let you know how your team's doing. Everybody stumbles sometimes out of the gate. You got 160 of these things. All right, you'll figure it out. If you're good, you're good. If you're not, you're not. I mean, you're not going to catch anybody by surprise unless you were a one-year wonder. And that's what some people obviously think that the Phillies could be, a one-year wonder. One thing is not a one-year wonder. I see somebody putting up there with the Rays. Rays are never, they're never bad. They're always competing in the American League East. With a $60 million payroll. You talk about playing Moneyball. Hey, don't ever tell me that Billy Bean has the corner on Moneyball. Because the Rays do it. They get the World Series. They get to ALCSs. The true team that plays Moneyball are the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, because they actually beat the Yankees and Red Sox. It's incredible what they've done. Okay, it, it really is. Andrew Friedman did such a great job at putting the cement down on that franchise. He now runs the Dodgers. And Andrew Silverman has done a remarkable job. I covered that team for 12 years. Okay? Hey, hey, that's fantastic. Rob, that doesn't shot. Dude, Rob's right. It's the money ball. Dude, that's the original money ball. I, I've known those men for over 17 years since they bought the team from Vince Namoli. I don't know how the Rays do it. I, I, I do not know how the Rays do it. They, they, Evan Longoria, a guy like that. And by the way, Longoria was my boy. Guy won a gold glove, signed that for me there. Look at that. When he was with the Rays, Evan Longoria there gave me this thing. Was great friends with him. You know, Paisan stick together. 
They're, they're, they're just an amazing franchise. And it all starts on Durham with them. Anyway, so that's a great ball team. And they'll always – they're a 90-win team every year. Every year they're a 90-win team. And you couldn't tell me who a starter is on that team. What do they call them, like openers or something like that? Beginners or something? It's crazy how they've done a great job. Although From Joe Madden to Nash, it's just such a well-run organization. And that really leads me into my topic here. So let me ask you this. As we get ready for the draft, I went on the website of the Philadelphia Eagles. And let me, let me get this right. Howie Roseman, Joe Ferrara, Alec Hallaby, assistant GM, assistant GM, assistant liaison, Paul Lancaster, senior director of player engagement, Connor Barwin, director of player development. And then you go into the scouting department. There's another 25 names. Jesus, criminy. All these guys give input? No, thank you. Give me five guys that have some conviction to tell me who you have in the room, who you like to draft, and go get them. I don't need to have 700 guys. Tell me about There was one guy in Dallas who made the decision off the recommendations of Bob Ackles. That was Jimmy Johnson. There was two dudes. None. And one other guy in Pittsburgh and Chuck Noll that drafted all those great players. Dude, you got all these guys and all these voices in your front office. No wonder your draft sucks. I mean it. I'm like, your draft is not consistent enough to go like this. Yeah, you build your team through the draft. They don't. Now, again, I'll say this to you. The Eagles do do build their draft on the offensive side. There's more hits on the offensive side. So I'll, I'll, I'll concede to that. They do a nice job on the offense, especially in the O-line, obviously, as we mentioned, and a tight end. They're brilliant at tight end. Receiver, not so much. Running back, it's never been a priority. Okay? So whether N'Kobe Dean's there or not, it doesn't really matter. Does it really matter if N'Kobe Dean is there or not to the Eagles? They, they're okay with N'Kobe Dean, even if he's not that great a player. They're okay with it. They're not going to put a lot of resources in it. And if he's not good, they'll just, they'll just find another dude like they did in Chicago. Bring the guy down from Chicago. Does it really matter? Right? Okay. Surely a lot of voices that you have in the building there. And I think that leads to a lot of the indecision. By the way, Merrill Reese will join us at the bottom of this hour at 3.30 Eastern time. I think the Eagles got their NFC championship rings yesterday. I think they got their NFC championship rings yesterday. I want to ask him how that ceremony went. I think, I think that's what the ceremony was. Now, I want to get into some strategy here in the draft. The three things I would do with the Eagles 10th pick. What would be a priority with you at the 10th pick? It could be whatever. Trade down, up, take a player. Do you need a player at 10? 
Do you need a player at 10 or 30? I think there is a distinction here, especially if you're talking about your quarterback's money. What do you do? What would be the number one priority, you think? I got three things that I would do with that pick. Okay, three things. Neil says take a player. Trade. Jalen Carter, no matter what. Trade up for a star. Like it. Here's my first, here is my first takeaway with that 10th pick. I'm going to listen to offers first because then I'm going to find out the value of the pick. How do you know that 10th pick is not going to be more valuable than what the fifth pick could obviously be? Because these quarterbacks are going. Anthony Richardson's going in the top 10. He's not a top 15 player. He might not even be a top 20 player. Every single quarterback except for Bryce Young is going to be overdrafted. Kid from Kentucky, the kid from Penn State, or Penn State, Kentucky, Florida, Ohio State, they're all going to be overdrafted. Every one of them. Those aren't your best players. I've got the list of my 10 best players. The 10 best players in this draft. I'm going to get to that here in a minute. But I want want to tell you my philosophy before I go to the 10 best players that I think are going to be available in this draft. I shop it. Shop the pick. Hey, I'm open to hearing anything. Just like the Cardinals are open. The Cardinals are trying to get a value on the pick. How many teams... Want to get into that three-hole? My estimation, 10. 10. I'd say 10 teams want to get in that three-hole. How about if the Giants move up to three? What if the Giants want to get into that three-hole and get Jalen Carter? Put him on the other side of Dexter Lawrence. Wow. That changes that room. That changes that room big time. Dexter Lawrence and Jalen Carter. I feel pretty good about that front four now in New York. I feel pretty good about that. Always worry about what's going on in your division first. Now with the sale of the commanders, there should be more stability. It's not that I'm sitting here going, Josh Harris is some great owner. Look what he's done with the Sixers. A billion years of tanking for what? Nothing. But it will be better than what Snyder has done. I, I got to think it would be. So does anyone, what would, would the Cowboys move up to three? To put Jalen Carter on that, I'll tell you this. If the Cowboys moved up to three to get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson on the other side of Michael Parsons, uh, that, that changes everything. The Cowboys are getting better. Dak owns the Eagles. Okay? There's very few players in this. Remember I told you? And Chris Landry agrees. And so does Belichick. 
These guys think there's about 60 good players in this draft. I think there's about 53 good players in this draft. Well, though, Vision says, trade trade back and get Van Ness. Absolutely do not like that player whatsoever. He didn't start because he was an underclassman, not because of talent. That's the dumbest thing I've heard, dude. If you're good, you start anywhere. He couldn't start because he couldn't stop the run. Watch him against the run. Are you kidding me? I started as a sophomore at Miami with seven number one draft choices there. If you can't start, you're trying to tell me that you have to start your senior. I mean, you couldn't even start your last year of eligibility. Not me. You can have him. Not me, man. He was a situational pass rusher. In a conference that doesn't have quarterbacks. Okay? You want to know why those wide receivers at Ohio State have such great success in the Big Ten? Because there's not very any, uh, like, like a giant pool of corners in that conference. There's not a giant pool of corners in that conference. Why do you think teams like the SEC destroy those teams? Destroy them. They're Pac-12 teams. They annihilate. You don't have great skilled, talented players there. You've got Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and the rest of them are bums. I could go 10 deep in the Southeastern Conference and find a starter that could go and play in the NFL. You think you're going to go to Indiana and find yourself a player? I'd go to Vanderbilt and get a player. Okay? Tyree Smith is a good ball player. He's one of the four best. Okay? One of the four best. All right? There's three legitimate wow players. Again, don't forget Merrill Reese bottom of the hour. So I would I would listen to offers. My second move. How is that? Because today, look, even on April 27th, when the draft starts, you're not going to know until 10 minutes before your pick. What's up? You have no idea. So you have to look at the pool of players. If everything goes to suit and everyone's gone that you want, I'm not taking a lesser player like I did a year ago. I'm not taking a lesser player. Like you did last year with Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis will never be the 13th player taken. Ever. Okay? He'll never be Fletcher Cox. He's not. He's not going to be a dominant player like that. That's a dominant football player. Fletcher Cox lived up to his billing his rookie year even. I mean, you saw potential big time. And you went, wow. Limited snaps, limited games. He was a force. If he had played in all games and started them all, he probably would have had 10 sacks his rookie year. He was a good player. Here we go, what? Bro, I'm trying to help your roster here. 
I don't give a shit what the name on the back of the jersey is. Stop falling in love with these players. This is about the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. Not about whether or not you want to be butt buddies with a guy or not, and you want to wear his jersey or this or that. It's got nothing to do with that. This is about winning football games. Yeah, but I really like this guy. Shut up. This is about a team winning. And if you get hurt because you happen to like one guy versus another, I never looked at it like that. I looked at it, is my team going to win 12 or 13 games? How can we get there? Hey, cut this guy, cut that guy, save this guy, sign that guy. That's all I care about. And if you got to cut someone you like, so what? How many teams do you see that hold on to players too long? We see it everywhere. Because of guys like Tyler or Yacht. Because a guy like Yacht who falls in love with a guy, he wants to keep him on the team as long as he can. Who, screw that. You're not productive. You're gone. This is professional football. This is not a GI bill. You're not on scholarship anymore. This is about building a championship team. It's not about loving guys. I told you this before. Great general managers fall in like with their guys. Not love with their guys. Because the moment that you're drafted or you're signed is the moment your clock in the sand starts dropping through the hourglass when you will be released, cut, or traded. End of story. End of story. End of story. One of the first things I learned since covering sports, don't fall in love with the name. Does it help me win? Yes or no. If not, pack your bags. That's what Tone's saying. He's right. But, you know, we really had a great affiliation for this You keep players like that on your roster, you'll never be good. You'll always be the Jets. You'll always be the Jets. Okay? Yacht, it's all good. (laughs) The third thing I would do is obviously trade down. Do you think you're going to – hey, let me ask you this. You think you're going to get more picks with the 30th pick or the 10th pick? Ask yourself that. If if you're going to trade out of that, what pick gives you the best quality picks? Remember something. If you're down at 30, most of the time you're trading with those good teams. That means you'll be picking at the bottom of the majority of the drafts, rounds the next four or five rounds. Bottom of the third, bottom of the fourth, bottom of the fifth. But if you're at 10, you're most likely dealing with Teams that are shitty, like Houston. I would love to trade with Houston. Boy, I'll tell you what, man. If I'm the Eagles, boy, I'd get on the horn with Nick Casario, the general manager, and go, how many picks will it take for you to take the 10th pick off me? Four? Oh, first rounder maybe next year? Oh, okay. That's a win. That's a win. If Jalen Carter, Will Anderson is not in shouting distance, Tyree Wilson, or B.J. Robinson, 
The idiots that say not to draft B.J. Robinson will have you draft Miles Murphy or Van Ness or some of these other dudes. A defensive end doesn't help you win a Super Bowl this year. And I can't believe what Tone sent this earlier to me. Paulie Short, a guy over on the Philadelphia Inquirer, works with WIP. I can't believe we fell in line with this. This draft here has everything to do with winning the Super Bowl, not 2025. I don't give a shit about 2025. The only thing I care about right now, the only thing I care about right now is what? Winning the Super Bowl. That's the only thing you should care about is winning the Super Bowl. You're a Super Bowl contending football team. Act like it. Act like it. Don't act like a rebuild. You're not in a rebuild. You're in a position to win a Super Bowl. Emmanuel Forbes does nothing for you this year. Nothing. Okay, so wait a minute here. Listen to the ideology that, by the way, do I think that Howie's going to draft B. John Robinson at 10? No. But here's why he sucks in the draft. Get this. The same people who are telling me right now that they won't take Robinson in the 10th pick, what's Howie's greatest draft choice? What's Howie's best pick in his entire time? being in the building and having something to do with personnel. What's Howie's best pick? We got to be determined if it's Hurts. We don't know that yet. Screwed up the Wentz deal. Jalen Rager. What? Fletcher Cox? Okay. Fletcher Cox. All right. I'm all right with that. That's a hell of a pick. Who else? Jordan Mulatum? Okay. This is 23 years. Lane? Sure. Okay. On defense, what's his best pick in his 23 years? And you want that guy to go over there and pick one. What's his best pick? Fletcher Cox. Then you fall off to Brandon Graham. I watched Will Anderson film, and he gambles a lot, misses tackles, but he's really good against the RPO. He's better than Parsons. Okay? The pick is the running back. You know it. Because it helps Jalen. I'm going to give you the 10 best players in the draft, and I'm going to show you every time you hear somebody talking about Nolan Smith or some of these other guys who are evaluated at 20. Okay. I'm going to, here's the 10 best players. Here's the 10 best players. According to the Carolina Panthers. Okay. People always say it's not Howie's nature to draft a running back in the first round. Well, guess what? Stranger things have already happened. The Eagles traded for a superstar wide receiver and AJ Brown. In last year's draft. I think Howie 
shocks us again. Why wouldn't he when he's one player away from winning the Super? Hey, let me say this to you. That defense on the other side of the football is a bunch of rejects that you signed in the offseason. You're going to have to outscore people. Who gives you the best chance of outscoring? A wide receiver? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A running back helps you. An elite one. Dude, like I said, you don't have elite backs. Gainwell's going to have 70 catches. Why hasn't he? How long has he been on the team? How long has Kenneth Gainwell been on the team? Can someone tell me? How long has Kenneth Gainwell been on the team? How many years now is this for Kenneth Gainwell? How many years? He's in his third year. And again, he's going to have 80, 80, 80 or 65 catches. Where do you get that from? Dude, if they saw that talent in the kid, they'd have been working him in over Miles Sanders last year. Miles Sanders had 1,300 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. And he's a good back. He's not elite. Okay, he's not, he's not Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook on that offense would have had 1,700 yards rushing, probably 60 catches. People go like this, well, Sills, you know, the running back position, why would you put so much equity in it? Because the Eagles are this close. They need one more player to beat Kansas City. They need one more player to keep Dallas off their heels. So if Dallas gets B. John Robinson, are they better? <laughs> yeah. If they get Derrick Henry, I think they're going to get, hey, talking with the Cowboys, I think they're either going to get Derrick Henry or B. John Robinson. And I think that beats the pants off you because Dak beats the pants off you. Dak beats you. And with Derrick Henry behind him, you think you're what? Going to slow it down? With what? Jordan Davis? Really? You couldn't stop the run last year. Now you got a lesser ball team. Or at least a lesser defense. All right. It's very simple. Here, just so you know my, my take on it, if I had five or six holes to fill on my team and my team was a six-win team, I would never take a running back. I wouldn't take a running back in the top three rounds. I would never do that. I'm one player away. I don't care if he's a placeholder. I'm going to take him. Because if I need one player... Here, Will Anderson and Carter help you a lot. A guard probably helps you more, or Paris Johnson, because it protects Jalen and you run the ball. And then you could take that collection of convention center people of running backs, and you could probably win ball games with those guys. Put more heat on your quarterback, though. I'll tell you what, you go the way you're going with that crew of running backs that you have, Jalen Hurts won't finish the year. If you go into the season with that crew of running backs, Jalen Hurts won't finish the season. Why? Because he'll be asked to carry the ball more. Your best running back's the quarterback. Last year it wasn't. 
you know what a change that was from the year previous? And again, no wishful thinking. I'm trying to help you guys here. I'm not trying to shit on anybody. Taking a wide receiver or taking an edge rusher with the 10th pick is asinine. He found an edge rusher in free agency last year who had 16 sacks. What's dumber? Taking a gamble on an edge rusher? He found Hassan Reddick for nothing. For nothing. No draft equity was lost with him. Think about that. If Howie's going to pay Jalen big money, every move he makes is going to forward has to be in the best interest of the quarterback. Period. With Baltimore, hey, I'll tell you what, I got to change my opinion on Baltimore with OBJ. It looks like Lamar Jackson did some recruiting there. You think they gave a quarterback the ability to go get OBJ? The Ravens are probably going, I don't know if he can make the full season, but if Lamar wants him and Lamar thinks he can help, let's sign him. They gave him $15 million. You talk about overdrafting. How about overpaying? But Lamar wanted him. So Lamar got him. And if Jalen Hurts is going to give the Eagles a hometown discount and some money, he has to be privy to the moves that you're making offensively if you're going to draft somebody. He's got to. I would say that's imperative. I'm going to say one more time here. I think how Jalen Hurts has handled himself by not saying anything shows you that there's going to be a business relationship between those two for the next maybe 10 years. If Jalen is going to give the Eagles somewhat of a discount, he better be in some of the conversation. I'm not saying that how he's going to go. What do you think, Jalen? You think we should draft this guy? Do you think we should sign this guy? Do you think we should go? I'm not saying he's saying that. He's probably the same way, the same way, the same way that Patrick Mahomes was given a heads up and Alex Smith. I think the Eagles have learned a lesson by the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes and how they handled that whole thing by being transparent. That's why nothing's being said. Always have to catch up with the legendary voice. And I want some insight here before we get going here. Merrill, yesterday, did the Eagles get their NFC championship rings? No, they they measured us for our NFC championship ranks. Oh, wait a minute, us? Oh, Merrill, you got you got measured for a title ring, huh? How was that? Championship ring. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, I could just see Merrill going like this. Yeah, I said that's about a nine and a half right there. We're good a to ten. go right here. Ten. It was a ten. ten. <laughs> Very good. Merrill, I gotta say this to you about the atmosphere of your Eagles. Has it ever been better to play in Philadelphia? No. I I don't have to think too long to say no, it's never been better. I could say that it's been very it's been as good. I would say I would say the Vermilliers were as good, you know, when once Dick turned things around. I would say that some of the Andy years were very, very good. And I could say the uh, Doug Peterson years as they headed to the Super Bowl were great. And I can say that the Nick Sirianni years right now, they're in a very good place. Merrill, has there ever been what seems to be a better relationship with a quarterback in a front office than what's going on now? And I'll tell you one thing you love about Jalen. He doesn't make any waves. He's boring. He's not going to be out there. But that's how Tom Brady won all those championships in New England. Wasn't on social media. Wasn't doing crazy stuff. I mean, this is, seems to be a really great relationship with it, a it lot is, of transparency. It is great. But I, I can also tell you that I thought that the relationship that Ron Jaworski had with the teams, because you used the word ever. Uh, so ever with me goes back to 1977. And Ron always had a great relationship with Leonard Toast and Dick Vermeil. And I think Donovan McNabb had a great relationship with the, the people around him. And I think that Jalen Hurts is really a, a class person and the kind of guy you want as the face of your organization. So, yes, it's, it's right there with the best. Merrill, draft's coming up in two weeks from today. If, just, just from, you know, what you watching the team, and, and not any insight or anything here, but for you. I don't have any where insight. Would you, where, where would you like to see them? Where would you like to see them address? What would you like to see them do in this draft? See, I I have kind of learned watching what seems to work for this organization in its best days. And I believe you draft from the lines on out. I, I believe that whether it's offensive or defensive line, and unless unless it's a different situation, unless you're in a situation where you absolutely need a quarterback, that's a different story. Or where you absolutely have a great need, a great need that fits a particular so-called skill position. But under normal circumstances, and I can say that this team does not have any overt weaknesses, I say you go either offensive line or defensive line and take the player that you fall in love with. I don't trade back because if you figure that three, at least three or maybe four quarterbacks are going to be chosen in that nine, first nine picks. That means that you're going to get five or six, a choice of five or six of the best non-quarterbacks in the entire country who are coming out. So I think you fall in love with them and don't outsmart yourself and take the best offensive or defensive lineman. I'm going to say something to you, Merrill. I've been broadcasting now probably half as long as you, but it's now 30 years since I stopped playing. And I'm gonna, I've am i never made this comparison to my friend. 
I have never seen a prospect that has the same characteristics, feet, hands, as Jerome Brown. This kid, Jalen Carter, has all those characteristics. Now, Jerome also had all the characteristics of being a little reckless. We all know, and we all know the story. If Jerome Brown is sitting at number 10, would you draft him today? Knowing what we know? Yes. No. Okay. I, and I love Jerome. I know you do. I know. Jerome, it, it's, I, no, no. I get it. Because then that means you wouldn't draft Jalen Carter at 10. Uh, well, I don't know. See, I say I know Jerome. I knew Jerome. We were buddies. I would go over to his locker often and we would clown around together. He had the biggest heart in the world. I don't know Jalen Carter. I've heard a couple of, well, but not the, the fact is that he's, he's on probation with the law in Georgia for an incident that, not that he caused, but he was connected to the, the drag racing incident that took two lives. Um, and then I saw the fact that his pro day uh, was a player who was not taking himself taking the whole process seriously enough. But I, I am not the person responsible for doing the, the due diligence, nor do I have the, the connections to do due diligence on a player. I believe, the, I believe that whoever takes Jalen Carter has to do extensive research and get the right answers. I'm not saying anything bad about him. I, I got saying based on what I know, I I want to see that if indeed that's the player that they draft, they don't have any. Let's let's see if we can reconnect with Merrill here again because I thought that was really honest right there. I thought that was as honest as you possibly can get. Heath believes that there's too many question marks. Um, there's going to be a ton of organizations that are going to do the same thing. He's not talking out of school on Merrill's not. Here I Merrill's am. not talking out of school on what you have me. Yeah, I got you now, Merrill. Merrill, what I was just telling people that Merrill, there's going to be half the league that's going to do exactly what you just said. They're going to pause okay, on that. Good. I, 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 we're still disconnected there. We got to we got to reconnect again here and see if we can make this happen here. Tone. Um, again, I, the reason that I like, um, Jalen Carter potentially to Merrill, you there? Yep. I am. Okay. Merrill. The reason that I like Jalen Carter to the Eagles is this Tracy rocker recruited him. Nicobe played with him, and so did Jordan. Um, you have as much intel as you possibly could have. And, and, and Tracy Rocker went into the house to recruit the kid. He knows the kid. Now, if all of a sudden he's there and they pass, we'll know then. But I think they have a lot of insight on the kid. Okay. Then if, if their insight leaves them without any questions, I say go for it because he is that kind of talent. Although, 
here's the other part of that, Dan. If his if the insight on Jalen Carter is all positive, all worry free, somebody's going to get to him before the Eagles. I I don't think he'll be there. I I completely agree, but I do. What I don't want it to be is Dallas, because to me Dallas is the team. Remember the one thing I tell everyone when it comes to drafting: don't worry about the NFC West, don't worry about the NFC North, worry about the East. And right now in that division, you've got Saquon Barkley. You, you, you've got a running game in Dallas. You've got a running game in Washington. And you clearly have a running game in, in Philadelphia. So getting a guy like that pushes the Cowboys closer to Philly in that division title. You, you may be right, but you don't know who the Eagles are going to come up with yet. And to bolster that line. And the other thing is, haven't the Cowboys made some character mistakes in the recent past? Yes. Yes. Yes, they have. Yes, 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 they have. I would say this, I would say this to you. And by the way, Tone, see if we can reconnect. This is not we're we're all over the place here. Can you hear me, Merrill? I can. Okay. Um I've got but see, one other thing. I, I'm I'm mentioning names, but once upon a time, the Eagles drafted a player with a questionable reputation, and I said, he's so good, they didn't draft him. They made a deal for him, and he was so good that I said, one bad character guy, one guy with questionable character isn't going to mess up a locker room with so many good, positive individuals. He did. He did, and within two years... He was gone and did not seem to stay any place very long. I won't mention any names, but the initials <laughs> tell the story. Did he help you get to the Super Bowl, though, that one particular player? Did that one particular player help you get to the Super Bowl? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then the next. Yeah, our connection's not very good here. It's um, yeah, I I I I, I <laughs> yes, he did help us get to the Super Bowl, but um, yeah, but then the following year he was gone. <laughs> I love that. There, hopefully, we can reconnect here with Merrill. Well. Let's, let's disconnect here, Tone, and see if we can reconnect because the connection's not very good. And I don't want to keep going through it here. Um, so he would pause on Jalen. Jalen Carter. Um, I, hopefully we get him back because I want to ask him, because everybody in Philly doesn't want or I should say the media people don't want B. John Robinson. There's some that do. There's some that do. Okay? Some do. Most don't. Because most are going, hey, get this. Most are going down the line of common and not thinking like Howie. Well, Howie's not going to do this. I agree with Tone. How do you know what Howie's going to do? Do you ever know? How about this? Is Howie the most unpredictable General manager in the NFL. Yes or no? 
Is Howie the most unpredictable GM in the league? Okay. Would you say that's a fair comment? He's the most unpredictable. Well, you don't have, nobody wants a predictable general manager because every year is different. Every year, your football team's in a different sphere. Look at these last two years now. Going into this year, you're going to be one of the favorites to win the NFC. Last year, you were NFC champions. Let me ask you this. What was the beginning of the end for the Eagles 2017 team? Something that you don't want to make a mistake. Coming out of the 2022, quarterback was an issue, right? Well, not yet. The quarterback wasn't the issue yet in 18. He wasn't the issue yet. But how? what were the mistakes that Philly made? Quarterback started getting banged up. You started seeing who his character was. You started watching the team start to disintegrate around him. I don't even remember who he was throwing the football to at the end of the game. I, I, I don't remember. Overpaid, aging veterans. Okay. Preacher says letting Foles go. Okay, could be. I always thought that was peculiar, and I'll, I'll, I'll make this point to you guys one more time. If Alshon Jeffries catches that football in New Orleans, I believe Nick Foles is your quarterback and they'd have moved once. I'll go to my grave saying that. They would have moved once. If Jeffries catches that ball in New Orleans, you guys agree? If he catches that football in New Orleans, I think they move once. Okay? Your own coach, Dan, said we ain't drafting Jalen Carter. I didn't hear that. I heard Dave Wanstad say that maybe Philadelphia is the best place for him instead of Chicago. That's not what I heard. Okay? Okay, and here's Tone. Man, my dad was hot when we let Foles go. The moment Foles won the Super Bowl for Philly, you couldn't tell my dad shit. I happen to agree with that. I totally happen to agree with that. Dan, am I back? You bet. Thank you so much, Merrill. <laughs> I, hey. Moving to a completely different side of the house. Oh, this is fantastic. Thank you so much. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something at you here, Merrill, and I want you to tell me because you've been around Howie Roseman so long. Is he is is this a fair statement from me? I think Howie Roseman is the most unpredictable general manager in the league. Fair? Hmm. And that's not a bad thing. It's, I, I don't think it's a. I think he looks at every year, and every year has its own sphere. And I don't think he has predictability. I don't think I don't see where he's predictable at something. Well, I, I, I think there are surprises that come up when he picks up a player like C.J. Gardner Johnson when you're not even thinking at that point of the year that somebody else is coming, or the A.J. Brown deal on draft night took us all by surprise. But I think he has certain certain principles that 
for the most part, he adheres to. And when I say, I, I think he is, in a sense, um, a very intelligent general manager, and he has his his ideas and his beliefs that you build a team first through the lines. And when you know that you have Lane Johnson, who is in the la- latter part of his career, and you have BG, Brandon Graham, and you have Fletcher Cox, who are winding up their Eagles careers, if not their NFL careers, um, it's you, you must stay with those conservative principles and stay with your needs, your top needs being offensive and defensive linemen. So he's not wild and crazy. He's not, whoo, did he, what did he do? But he's, I think he, I think he has this thing down to a science. And if you follow his drafts, he pretty much stays with it. Then this is where I'm going. There's only one player in this draft that helps Jalen Hurts. And if you're going to pay your quarterback $50 million, Merrill, there's only one player. He's the third graded player in the entire draft. He's a player that would be elite in your offense. And it's something that would be out of the box, what they did with A.J. Brown last year. It's Bijan Robinson. I, I had a guy come on. I was Mike Gullick the other day, came on and said he's Marshall Falk. Well, if Marshall Falk's in the draft and I could put Marshall Falk behind Jalen Hurts, I mean, think about this. You would have the league rusher behind you, 2,000-yard receivers, 1,000-yard tight end, two bookend tackles where no one has that, and a Hall of Fame center, you're going to have to outscore people. But to take an edge rusher, Merrill, that does not help you win the Super Bowl. Robinson or a guard helps you because every move they make, in my opinion, has to be circled around that quarterback. Am I wrong? I'm never going to say you're wrong because I have great respect for your knowledge. Thank you, sir. I'm not certain that I agree. And here's the reason I say that. Uh, The Giants drafted the best running back in the the league, what, four years ago or five years ago in Saquon Barkley. He was was a phenomenal, phenomenal player at Penn State. Would you say B. John Robinson is better than Saquon Barkley was? Saquon Barkley coming out of Penn State was absolutely brilliant. And he had... He showed some of that brilliance with the putting Giants. Him, but, but, Merrill, putting him behind Jalen and that old line, he will run you past Kansas City. But but they also get they, in. They, they have no old line in New York. The, the shelf line, the, the, shelf, the shelf life of most running backs is relatively short. Five years. There, there is an injury situation with most running backs. Look. Miles, they gave, they let Miles Sanders walk, and Miles Sanders was a terrific back. Miles Sanders ran for almost thirteen hundred yards last year. Had eighth bunch- greatest, eighth greatest season in Eagle history running the ball. Yeah, yeah. Now listen, Eagles picked up a f- going to the Super Bowl in the Super Bowl fifty two. What did the Eagles do at running back that year? They got a die and they went out and they got the Garrett Blunt. Well, but they picked up an undrafted free agent who gave them everything he had, including a spectacular touchdown in the Super Bowl, and that was Corey Clement. They didn't even have to take a draft pick. I mean, they could draft as good as Bijan Robinson is. They could pick a, a running back 
in the third round or fourth round who turns out to be a great running back. I mean, look, they took uh, Kenneth Gainwell in the third or fourth round. He's a terrific back. He's really good. They picked up, they picked up Boston Scott, little Boston Scott, off of a, you know, he he was on a practice squad, and he is a terrific little guy. He, all he does is kill the Giants every year. They line up near the goal line, and he hits a hole, and they don't know which hole he's coming out of until you find him in the end zone. They they're not weak at running back, and then they made the trade now, again. Injuries are the biggest factor in this deal, but they picked up uh, in the in the free agent period. They picked up Rashard Penny. He's pretty good. Yeah, but again, I I'm not counting on him. Merrill two starts in five years per yeah, year. Right. That worries. But they gave up nothing. They gave up nothing. I, again, it's a no. Okay. It's a no this risk deal. What I'm saying is, I. I, if if he passes all the due diligence tests, can you really say that that uh, that your guy Jalen isn't going to be a bigger impact? But here, but here, Merrill, you're a lead at almost every single position on your football team except running back. Okay, I mean, what would Derrick Henry do on that offense? What do you think Derrick Henry? We had 1,500 yards on the crappiest old line in the NFL last year, and I would say this about Miles Sanders. Miles is a good player. He is a really good player. But is he is Dalvin Cook? Is he B.J. Robinson? Is he one of those guys? And, Merrill, what if he only gives you five years, but you win the Super Bowl in the process? Who cares? Well, when the Eagles played Dalvin Cook on a Monday night in <laughs> Philadelphia, he did nothing. And when the Eagles played Tennessee. Merrill, a he's Sun a 1,700-yard back. They did nothing. <laughs> they did nothing, both of them, against the Eagles. <laughs> Fair enough, Mer Merrill. The defense. I got I got problems with the defense here. It's smaller. Top five tacklers are gone. Um, how do you think they've done on that side of the ball? I think when you when you pick up uh, Hassan Reddick as a free agent last year, you picked up a you you struck gold. He was. You did. Unbelievable. He was unbelievable. I think that Jordan Davis is going to come on this year. Don't forget last year uh, he was a rookie and he had a concussion and he had a high ankle sprain, but I think he is an enormous talent. I think that the Kobe Dean is going to make a big difference this year. I would mind if they, if one of those safeties were available. Um, I, I and state fan and I like Joey Porter Jr. I think he's great. I think he can make an impact on this team. You know what, Merrill? I said this about that kid, Joey Porter. I don't think he's a cover corner in the NFL. But I would I would not mind. And I talked to Manny Diaz because Manny used to be the University of Miami head coach. And now he's the D.C. at Penn State. I said, could that kid play corner? I mean, could that kid play safety? Manny he was the head coach at my alma mater, Temple University, for two days. For two days, right? And Miami bought him out. I love, I love Manny. Manny and I go back a long way. He go. He used to watch me play when I was. He used to watch Jerome and I play at the Orange Bowl. He, he's he's a really good guy, and he's done a nice job up there for Coach yeah. Franklin. I mean, yes. I I I I could put. I I wouldn't have a problem putting him over at the safety position. Yeah, because I, he could play that. I I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. I like him a lot. 
I got to, you know what, Meryl, I want to tell you, I, I do this for the Hall of Fame voters. I, ha I had, um, I had Jason Colon and then I had Rick Gosselin on a couple days ago. Jared Bell, I'm sure you know. And I'm on a panel. They ask me every year, once it gets down to the final 15, pick five guys who you like for the Hall of Fame. And I'm now starting to look at Fletcher Cox a little bit. And I got to tell you, Fletcher, I never thought that Fletcher had a better career than Dominic and Sue. He's got a sack and a half less. He's got two more Pro Bowls. I'm talking Fletcher. Um, I like Fletcher. Listen, I think I, Fletcher Cox. Hey, 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 Merrill, I think he's the second best defensive tackle that the Eagles have had since Jerome. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I have one problem with the Hall of Fame. Tell um, me. My big problem with the Hall of Fame is because they is they pick head coaches and they pick great players. But to me, some of the greatest coaches I've ever met who are not in the Hall of Fame were not great head coaches, but were coordinators. There's no way that Bud Carson shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. There's no way that Jim Johnson shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. There's no way that James David Ryan, Buddy, shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Not as a head coach, but they were game-changing, season-changing coaches. Remember, they, they carried Buddy Ryan off the field on the shoulders of the players when the Bears won the Super Bowl. Why are these guys not in some category in the Hall of Fame? They just put a new category in there, and that's how they got Coriel in. And Coriel has been – he he had been debated, and I kept pushing. I said – Ernie Zampezi, West Coast offense, Bill Walsh, Coriel never got the respect that he had because he was the first guy and he finally got in this year. And they're putting one of these coaches in. I know Dick is doing a lot of preaching on some of these coaches. Like you said, Bud Carson should be in, Jim Johnson, surely Buddy Ryan. Because the reason I think Buddy Ryan belongs in, and I've debated this, I'm working on Eric Allen now, Merrill. I mean, I'm um, working on Eric Allen because I Eric, Eric Allen and I were our friends. We went to his wedding celebration. Well, Eric Allen, Eric Allen should be in, should have been in the Hall of Fame years ago. I, I I've been debating him the last two years, and I there kept saying this ever since. He's a pure Hall of Famer. Fifty-eight interceptions was an absolute mainstay on that defense in the secondary. Great player. Great player. But but here's the thing too: they kept him off the All-Decade team. They look at that a lot. Um, he didn't win a championship, but then I turned around and went, well, the guy Riley that they just put in and, and, you know, it's kind of hard because you don't want to talk crap on anybody's career, but Riley, Ken Riley, who just went in on the veterans committee, you, you look at him and you're like, okay, 68 interceptions. He didn't really play on any championship teams. I believe he may have gotten to the Super Bowl when Montana beat him early in the eighties. But other than that, I mean, Eric's better. Yeah, and so, know, you want, I'll give you a way to get him into the Hall of Fame. Find the tape of the 90-something yard interception for a touchdown he made against the Jets, where he ran back and forth across the field. He ran about 120 yards with that interception before he wended his way into the end zone. It was one of the greatest plays I have ever witnessed in my 46-year broadcasting career. What year was that? Oh, year. Um, I would say it was late 80s. Late 80s? Okay. Against the Jets? Yes. 
against the Jets. One of the greatest plays I've ever seen. All right, I'm going to ask you the hardest question anyone's ever asked you. Who's your favorite Eagle of all time? Well. One. One, Merrill. One. Okay, I can't. I can only tell you if you're, but, but you have to qualify it. Is it based on friendship? Is it based on excitement? Is it based on talent? Is it based on the player that has been within the scope of my broadcasting career rather than to go back into Merrill as a little boy who he loved? Or, or is, it, is it based on the – let's say, let's say you're, uh, my play-by-play career began in 77, and it's going until they remove me with a crane because I'm not leaving. But um, – <laughs> But but if you ask me for the greatest eagle that I have ever witnessed, because there's some great ones, some great ones. I'm going to say this. Yes. Okay. All of that. <laughs> Put it all together. Yes. Okay. Reggie White. Reggie wow. White. Why Reggie? Reggie, because he, he might have been the greatest defensive end of all time. And person. I mean, I mean, look, Brian Dawkins was amazing. If you want to go back in history, Chuck Bednarik was phenomenal. But but of, of my the ones I've seen, Reggie White, Reggie White was he gave defensive he gave offensive coordinators nightmares all week. He was to the Eagles what Lawrence Taylor was to the Giants. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's what, I, I got to tell, tell you a story about concrete. So I, I, I had not met him, and my uncle, Andy Robustelli, introduced me to him. So I finally got him on my show. He'd come down to Florida, right? And my, my uncle goes, hey, make sure if you get him on your show, man, make sure he cleans it up a little bit because Chuck has a way about it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he get on this show, Merrill. I don't know how many times we dumped it, but, man, he, he just was like, these guys today going both ways, that Deion Sanders guy? Do you know what I did? I go, yeah, you played center and linebacker and you destroyed Gifford. I know the whole thing. Gifford tells me about it all the time. I woke up a week later and I asked him what happened. He goes, I go, what'd you tell him? He goes, this mf and he said it on the air, is over. Yeah. <laughs> that was the end. No, that was when he tackled, that was when he tackled Jim Taylor to end the championship game. The 60 That's- title game? That was the NFL game. There NFL was no title. The East against the West. You know, and he t- the end of the last play was was Bednarik sitting on Jim Taylor and looking at the clock. Yeah, <laughs> man, I love concrete. Oh, well, he, great, of course. But but see, I mean, you're t- there are so many great guys. Oh yeah, better the. I mean, who was better than Doc? Doc was amazing. The most exciting eagle I've ever seen was Randall Cunningham. Oh, yeah. He was instant excitement. He was unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, the, the the best three running backs I've ever seen were, well, were four. It was Wilbur Montgomery, uh, Wilbur Montgomery, Brian Westbrook, and... Um, Shady? Shady McCoy. Shady McCoy was amazing. Amazing. Is that, is that gang green defense the best defense ever to play in your broadcasting career? Yes. I, I, yes. With, with even uh, the 22 Red, team, right? Better, Red, they were better. Well, it was Bud Carson 
defense right after Buddy was the best with Reggie White, Clyde Simmons, Mike Golick, Mike Pitts. That was that was an unbelievable, unbelievable Seth, defense. Andre Waters, Wes Hopkins. Hopkins. Wes Hopkins, Andre Waters. Uh, yeah, they've. How they about the hey, 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 Merrill? Eric, the coaching Eric staff. Jeff Fisher was on that coaching staff. I mean, you had a bunch of dudes that were on that coaching staff, too, for that team back in the day that Buddy assembled. I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, didn't Fisher play for Buddy in Chicago or something in, like uh, that? And that's why he brought him to Philly? He returned punts and was a safety. And then yeah. he put him on the coaching staff in Philly, right? Yeah, he brought him, he brought him here as a secondary coach. And then uh, when Wade Phillips left, Jeff became the defensive coordinator. But the real defensive coordinator was Buddy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> hey, Merrill, man, I'll tell you, I, I've had conversations with him. And Dave Wonstadt was on with us a couple of days ago. And Buddy came down to talk to Jerome and I. And he's sitting in the film room watching. And we have Cortez Kennedy, Russell Maryland, myself, Jerome Brown, Bill Hawk. We have all these first-round guys. And we're sitting there watching. And he just looks at Jerome. He goes, took a playoff, didn't you? And and if this, not even the coach. He goes, took a playoff. And Jerome goes, well, I, I went, yeah, he did. You know, he takes plays off, buddy. <laughs> but he goes, oh, what are you? What are you? You know, snitches get stitches. We're sitting here watching. <laughs> yeah. he, he was quite a character, man. I enjoyed being around Buddy Ryan. Did, did you ever hear of a coach who, when he was fired, called his own press conference before the team could call press conference? And had everybody down in the coach's office, and he walked into the room. They had just lost the playoff game. So I think that was the one to Washington. They had lost before, so the Rams. But they, they lost the playoff game to Washington. And then they they fired him, but they hadn't told us yet. And we all filed into Buddy's office, and it was packed. And then Buddy came strolling in, twirling his whistle, and he said, Men, it's the first time a coach has ever been fired for winning. And because Buddy won every year. And and then later he left and he bought a racehorse and named him Fired for Winning. <laughs> the guy in France fired me. <laughs> the guy, the guy when Norman Bremen vacation in the south of France and there were some players and there were some players who hadn't been signed yet because they used to get very dramatic at the end of training camp. And then people weren't slotted like they are today. And um, but he said to the media, you know, we'd have a team if the guy from France would ever come back. <laughs> the guy that used to kill everyone in the and league. The, okay, the guy from France won't sign Lachey. What do you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're at the at the at the uh, big dinner, big luncheon they had at the for the United Way. They'd had this big luncheon right before the first week of the season, and. The head coach would appear, and Buddy Buddy would get up and, and talk for a few moments, and then he had to introduce the Eagles' president, and that was Harry Gamble. And God rest his soul, Harry Gamble was one of the greatest people in the world. But Buddy had Buddy Buddy had a sense of humor, and so in announcing Harry Gamble, he introduced him as Brayman's illegitimate son. <laughs> He, that's a mic drop. That's a mic drop there, Tone. 
just tell, hey, wait a minute, bring a, hey, that's a mic drop, Merrill. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you miss that? No, no, we got it. Okay. <laughs> hey, Merrill, thank you so much, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. You have a good day. You got it. The great Merrill Reese. Man, I love catching up with him and talking some ball with him. He's always awesome to hear. Please hit the like button. Hour number two. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Salerno, and I'm the Managing Director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Alvin Cook could be signing with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, that's now officially out there that Dalvin Cook could be signing with the Dallas Cowboys. So great catching up with Merrill Reese. We appreciate it very much. Thank you guys so much for coming aboard. Um, I, I, 
I think Merrill is right about Howie and how he goes about his business. Um, I think there is a structure in how he looks at the draft. I do. Um, but I do think he's what Tone says. I don't think he's very predictable. Okay? I, I, I just, I don't think he's predictable in what he'll do. The move last year was brilliant. Okay? Quan, so get this. Cowboys had Brandon Cooks. And if they add Dalvin Cook, Stephon Gilmore, I don't know. I think you're closing the gap on the Eagles. Quarterback beats you all the time. Quarterback beats you. I think it's a great move. And he's gonna he would be cheaper. Here, let's let's I don't know what he did a year ago. I think he's younger also. I think he's younger. Dalvin Cook stats. If I'm not mistaken, he's been in the league one, two, three, four, five. So he's about 26 years old. I would say he's about 26 or maybe 27 years old. He might be in the league one more year. He's 27. I I, I think Henry's 28. He had 1173 yards last year. 1159 a year before, 1557 the year before with 16 touchdowns. And he's done it in 260 carries. Wow. That's above four and a half yards of carry. His career is 4.7. He's an elite back. He's an elite back, and he's got one, two, three. He's got four consecutive years of 1,000 yards. That helps the Cowboys immensely. That helps the Cowboys immensely getting um, Dalvin Cook if they're able to sign him. Dallas is doing a lot of great moves. A lot of great moves. All right. I'm going to do the 10 best players in the draft. As we're getting out now two weeks from today to the NFL draft. Okay. We're two weeks away. And I got to 10 best players. Norman Wildman, Wiley X. Eagle DL was my driver's ed teacher in high school, late in the 50s, I believe. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. All right. Can I, I want to ask this question before we get to the 10 best players. How many people think Lamar Jackson is a $50 million a year player? How many people think he's a $50 million a year player? Fly goes, I do. Sure. Lamar's talent is 50 million, but he gets hurt. Okay, well, here, here's my case. CJ goes, I do. So if the NFL doesn't believe that Lamar Jackson's a $50 million a year player, how in the world do you think Jalen Hurts is a $50 million a year player? Where do you get that from? Lamar's a better player 
Is he more aggressive? Yes. Phil Sims said it the other day. By the way, I think it's pretty cool. Uh, Chris Mortensen now follows me on Twitter. And he's liked a lot of the stuff from us here. Hey, uh, Tone, you should go over to my Twitter page, at Dan Cilio Show. Okay, I mean, Chris Mortensen now follows us because of what we're saying, and he watches the show now. Jalen's been to the Super That's not an individual record. Jimmy Garoppolo's been to a Super Bowl. Super Bowl appearances are not an individual achievement. They're team achievements. Okay? They're team achievements. Arthur says Lamar is worth 50 as well. I don't see any other NFL team offering deals for Lamar Jackson. Do you? I must have missed it. What teams around the NFL are going to the Ravens right now and saying, I'll make a deal for them? Are the Colts? They could use a quarterback. I'd rather take Lamar Jackson at 25 than one of those stiffs in this in, in, in the uh, draft, except for Bryce Young. I think the rest of those guys are not very good. I'm sorry. When I look at the rest of those quarterbacks, I don't see anything that makes me go, wow, outside of Bryce Young. And by the way, so Todd Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper, and everyone are saying that Bryce Young is a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. Do you know if you're Chicago right now? I, I question you on trading that pick to Carolina. No one has ever compared Justin Fields to Patrick Mahomes, and nor will they ever. Are you really, you're looking at Justin Fields and you think that guy one day will be compared to Patrick Mahomes? Not in your life. The Bears passed on a smaller version of Patrick Mahomes. That's why they effed the draft up. Justin Fields is not better than Tyrod Taylor right now. Tyrod Taylor actually has a Pro Bowl behind him. So does Teddy Bridgewater. People go, stop with the potential talk. Potential means I've not done it. But I think he will. I'm not a fortune teller here. I only go by what you've done. And where you are today. That's why people go, Cilio, you're, you're, you're flip-flop. No, the player production either went up. Hey, so did your opinion. Hey, watch this. How many people think that I flip-flop on my take? I'll, I'll, I'm going to throw it right back at you. How many people think I flip-flop on my take? On Jalen or anything? How many people do? How many people? You think I flip-flop on my takes? Hmm? Did you not flip-flop on Carson Wentz? Did you not flip-flop on Carson Wentz? Anyone in Philly. They won't say it because they don't want to have to admit that. See, I do. Because the player production, because the player production changes your opinion, doesn't it? That's not flip-flopping, friends. You're not a fortune teller. 
Sports talk radio is not AKA fortune teller. You're an observationist. Okay. Jameson. <laughs> Jameson. It's okay though. He was great. He was an MVP. And all of a sudden you went, wait a minute. This guy sucks. There's nothing wrong with that opinion. There's nothing wrong with that. So you change your opinion on him? Yeah. The guy's production and performance changed. That's not flip-flopping. That's a realist. That's a person that looks at what the game is and goes, man, I was wrong. I thought that guy was going to be a great ball player. Instead, he sucks. You flip-flop. Everybody, 99% of the people in Philadelphia flip-flopped on Wentz. And you got the stones to tell me, well, you you flip-flopped on Wentz. You totally on Wentz you did. Did you not? Hey, you flip-flopped on Hertz. You flip-flopped on Hertz. The second pick in the draft, what is that guy thinking? Wait a minute. I never said that. This guy's a really good ball player. <laughs> what a lie. Hey, you don't have to lie here, friends. It's okay to go, hey, Dan, I was wrong, man. Holy shit, this guy's a good ball player. Okay, this, it's okay. I don't hold you to that. What I hold against people, especially the old fart sports guys, is that you have to continually keep hammering. Like, the Bayless take on LeBron James is the dumbest thing. And get this, it's a reason why that show covers LeBron. They cover the worst team in the West that's in the playoffs. Why? Because it's a crutch for them. The city flip-flopped on Wentz like they were the Russian Olympic team. He, he, can't, he can't do a show without ripping LeBron. How do you rip a guy that's won four NBA titles and delivered three MVP performances on three different franchises? I can't do that. I hate his politics. He's not really my favorite player, but he is totally one of the top three players in the history of the sport. I, I, I see through that shit. I'm like, eh, well, you know, he's not my guy. I'd pick Kareem and Magic and Michael, and I'd go down that route. But he, he's right there too, man. Hey, people's, people's opinions sometimes become very personal, like Yale just said. Becomes personal, your takes. I am so 100% sold that Jordan Davis is the guy. Don't be so 100% sold on anything until they produce. Maybe that's why, Tone, maybe that's why I have a different approach to people and how I do things, because that don't make it personal. Either the kid plays good or he doesn't. End of story. Get out. You're not good? Next guy up. I don't sit there and go, well, you know, I put all my takes and I really thought he was really, who cares? We're looking for a defensive tackle that has going to have an impact this year. Who cares what that name is? Okay, who cares what it is? That's why when Howie goes into free agency and does a magnificent job on trades, 
or finds a free agent like Gardner Johnson or a trade like Gardner Johnson, those are strokes of genius, bringing Slay over. Those are great moves. Then when I point out the draft, why are you ripping him? Because he sucks. And the rest of the media in Philly want to get... Tone, I got to come up with somebody else because... I don't, I don't want to keep ripping Miles Murphy, man. I mean, like he said, man, this guy's going to come after me one day. <laughs> like you said, people personalize their takes. Nothing wrong with being wrong. Just admit it and move on, right? The guy's good. It's only sports talk. We're not talking nuclear codes. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> nice, nice, nice job there. See what Tone just did? Slid in government secrets. Right here on the National Football Show. Okay. <laughs> How about Merrill saying that he got too many question marks in Jalen Carter? Hmm. Sills, what do you say to people that think you're a hack? Thank you for watching. Thank you. For taking time to write something like that on my show? I must have motivated people like you, Tanner, to take a time out of your day to come here and write that. I must be doing something right, don't you think? That's how I look at that. And that's how I answer that. You took time out of your day when you got up this morning. You had your milk. You had your cereal. You pet your dog. You went for a walk with your dog, and then somewhere in that morning, you went, I think I have to call Cilio a hack. Let me go to his show, click on, watch it for an hour and 15 minutes, and then say that. Sounds like a win to me. That's how I answer all that. Thank you. <laughs> I think you think that would get me a Dude, I've motivated you today. Think of that, Tanner. Okay. Oh, no, 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 Tanner. No, 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 no. You asked me what I thought when people say that. And when Tanner writes that. No, Tanner. No, no, no. I didn't say you said it. I'm saying that when people do do that and come to my show and log on. It's not like the old days with radio. You just turned it on and there was big sills. Think of the steps you have to do. It's like sitting in a in a in a, a garage and sitting on an orange crate. You've got to get up and walk across the mall to log onto a computer, to click a link, then to go into the chat room, to join, and then say I'm a hack. That to me. That, to me, is winning. No, 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 Tanner, I'm not, I'm not, dude, no, 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 no. Maybe I misread it, Tanner. I wasn't ripping you. And if I sounded like it, I apologize. No, no, no. Nasty goes, do not act like getting on YouTube is difficult. Sorry, Nasty, but I'm not as inclined or mechanically inclined as you are. Because 
Dude, getting on a website is a chore for me. Sorry. Hey, excuse me, Nasty. I didn't know that you were so technically savvy the way you are. <laughs> Bro, you should see me logging on to my computer every morning. It's quite the chore. We love the Rose Sills. But <laughs> just know it's hey, oh okay, Don Corleone. Oh, okay, Don Corleone. Right? Yeah. Hey, we love the rat sills. It's all good. Dan is experiencing the five stages of anger. All right, let me get the hell out of here. Let me go over here to the 10 best players in the NFL. Swap sills. No. GQ, that's not something I'd be throwing around. Swap sills. Dan will know. Hey, here. Hey. Okay, please, guys, the, 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 the no on Bijan Robinson is crazy. It's crazy. People would rather have the Philadelphia Eagles miss on the draft pick again than do the right thing. Here are the 10 best players in the draft. From the Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, had the first pick in the draft. Oh, and by the way, I'm getting Frank on draft week. So I got Jimmy Johnson, Frank Reich, and um, Kevin Colbert, Tom Telesco, uh, Bruce Arians, Jason Light. That's all draft week. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Kind of why I'm saving everybody, okay? Oh, and Brian Baldinger. All those guys are on draft week, okay? There's only one place to go, right here. Hey, radio, I don't need it anymore. Here are the 10 best players. I'm going to go from 10 up to one. I get Paris Johnson. Junior, Ohio State, O-line, could he help the Eagles? My God almighty, put him at right guard, 6'5 and a half, 325 pounds, in between Elaine and Jason Kelsey. Kenneth Gainwell might get 1,500 yards. Dickerson on the other side of Kelsey and the Mulata. Holy shit, what a line. Look what that line would be if you drafted Paris Johnson. And I'd be okay with Paris Johnson at 10. Honestly, I'd be okay with that. Because it helps Jalen. Any move that the Philadelphia Eagles make should all be circled around your quarterback. 6'8", Mulata. 6'5", Dickerson. Kelsey, I'm just going to go H.O. How about this? From now on, when I mention Kelsey, can I just do this, HOF? Can I just do that? Because it really doesn't matter what his size is, right? Why not just go HOF? So let's just go HOF. So 6865 HOF, 6565. 
Man, I don't know if you have a bigger old line in the NFL than that thing right there with a Hall of Fame center in the middle. <laughs> Dan, you would look good on radio. I did for 25 years. <laughs> HOF, baby. 6865, HOF, 6565. That's the Eagle old line if you draft Paris Johnson at number 10. He's the 10th best player in the draft. Here's the ninth, Christian Gonzalez, defensive back, Oregon cornerback. Should the Eagles take him? No. No, you spent $15 million on two corners. Absolutely not. It's going to be rich in corners next year. Don't worry about it. Go get a guy next year. Go, go get a guy next year. I don't need that pick. That pick doesn't help me win the Super Bowl this year. A corner does not help... A cornerback does not help you. You know, and you know what you hear people in Philly saying? Well, you got to start thinking about the aging Darius Slay. You should have thought about that in the offseason by moving his ass and then drafting a guy. You don't, you don't pay a guy $15 million. Think about how dumb that take is. So some people in Philly would say, well, Darius Slay's getting older. Okay. But you're paying him $15 million this year and you gave him 23 on a sign and you want to sign a corner. What? <laughs> Which is it? Well, we're preparing for the future. The future is today. Winning the Super Bowl is right now. Not two years from now. Let Howie worry about that shit. Get drafting a corner? Why? You're paying $30 million in corner money now. Remember the golden rule in the NFL. If you're paying them, you're playing them. So some would say, get a corner. I don't want any of these corners. Now, Porter's down at 30. I, In my opinion, I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't think Joey Porter is a good-looking corner in the NFL. I think he's a better-looking safety. I think he plays more like a safety. You move Gardner Johnson, I think this guy's more kind of that kind of guy. Okay, but I'm not going to take him at 10 to play safety. Okay, I mean, I, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a corner. I don't think he's fast enough. The kid Gonzalez. I don't want to tell you who told me that either. Barrett said that he's um, too handsy. That means he stays engaged. So he's handsy and not fast. That's a safety. That's not a corner. Corner are great hands and great feet. Get off blocks. You don't have to be a guy that's a hitter at corner. Deion Sanders couldn't crack an egg, but you didn't throw to that side of the field because he had closing speed like a freak. His feet and hands were spectacular. Dion's clearly one of the greatest athletes I've ever been on a football field against. When he was at FSU and I was at UM, he was a freshman. And Vinny Testaverde, the year he won the Heisman, I think Vinny had six picks that year. Three of them were with Dion in one game. Dion was like nothing you've ever seen on a football. Ew, he was, he was something else, man. Best athlete I've ever seen 
It's between Bo and Herschel. But Sanders is right there. Those three guys, man, Bo Jackson and Herschel Walker and Deion Sanders, man, just you, 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 you had athletes and then everybody else. I mean, those guys were like, they could have did anything. They could have been in the Olympics. Oh, wait, they all were in the Olympics, I think, except for Dion. I, I think Herschel qualified for the 80 Olympic Games. Um, and I think that Bo was on a relay team that could have went to the Olympics. These guys were like, just old. Like, there's nobody in sports today like those three guys. You know, DK Metcalf looks pretty kind of close to that kind of stuff. He looks kind of like there. Tyreek Hill, I think, could have played with those. But those guys couldn't play other sports. You know, Bo Jackson made the baseball all-star game and the Pro Bowl in the same year. Come on, man. At number eight, I got Devon Witherspoon, Illinois corner. Probably my favorite player in the draft. I like him a lot. Number seven. Man, it kills me to put him here, but C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. Okay. Everyone has sold me. Frank told me this. You got to watch him. I go, Frank. But they throw in a con. I, do you know I had a debate with Frank Wright the other night? And he goes like this to me. What do you make of C.J. Stroud? And I said this to Frank, man, I watch him in games. Those windows are wide open. Dude, anybody could complete those passes. Watch the windows that are in the SEC compared to those giant windows. And what I mean by windows, the spacing in the Big Ten versus the spacing in the Southeastern Conference is half the size. That's what makes Bryce Young a very contradicting pick and a very controversial pick if you're going to go there. He is the best quarterback in the draft, and it's not close to the other. The other guys, can I tell you what I see when I see the other quarterbacks going in the first 10 picks? You guys are going to be stunned when I – dude, the quarterbacks that are going in the draft that will go in the top 10, I see Brandon Whedon, Josh Rosen – I see the kid that uh, – what's what's the kid that went to the Jets? Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. I see those dudes. Where do you see – I see Zach Wilson. Will Levis looks like Zach Wilson, but he's probably better because he played in the SEC. I, I don't see it. Like when you When you watch those guys, do you go like this? My God almighty. These guys are special. And the thing with Zach Wilson, one of the comments I made about Zach Wilson when the Jets grabbed him, this guy couldn't beat Utah, Coastal Carolina. He's going to go in there and beat the Patriots? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I just, Matt Leiner, yeah, like Matt Leiner reminds me Kind of of Will Levis. It's he, he kind of reminds me of that. You know who CJ Stroud reminds me of? Carnell Jones, Dwayne Haskins, those prototype guys like that. 
Then they get into the pros, they shit the bed. I'm like, you know why? Because the windows are smaller. The reads have to be quicker. The intel has to be processed quicker. What quarterbacks play from the Big Ten now in the NFL today? Um, Kirk Cousins. Nobody from Ohio State or Michigan. Nobody from Penn State. Justin Fields is the bell cow for the Big Ten. Justin Fields is the bell cow for the Big Ten and Kirk Cousins. Well, Kirk Cousins, he went to Michigan State. Kirk Cousins went to Michigan State. Justin Fields. Who else from the Big Ten that's playing in today's NFL that starts? Fly. Today. In the NFL. Today. Who in the NFL from the Big Ten? Lamar played at Louisville. Brock Purdy, Iowa State. So you have Justin Fields, Brock Purdy, and Kirk Cousins as your bell cow guys? (laughs) Well, I tell you. And, And the one guy was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last player taken. Not a pretty big uh, collection of guys when you're looking for quarterbacks out of that conference. And you're expecting me to believe that C.J. Stroud. I had this conversation with, with, with Coach, and I, I told Frank Reich, I go, Frank, I, I, where, where do you see this? Iowa State's Big 12. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. You're right. I forgot. He's not Iowa. That's Big 12. So there's two dudes. There's, that's right. You guys are dead right. There's two dudes. Okay? Kirk Cousins and Justin Fields are your bell cow quarterbacks in the NFL. But I'm going to draft C.J. Stroud because that's why Ohio State and what they do. There's no quarterback from Michigan. There's no quarterback from Ohio State. There's no quarterback from Penn State. By the way, Levis had to leave Penn State. He went to Kentucky. They throw him out. <laughs> I mean, Russell Wilson, I guess the one year in Wisconsin. Okay. He was he played four years or three years at NC State. Sure. Okay. Alabama doesn't produce quarterbacks. Hmm. Namath. Stabler. Um didn't Star go there too? Um, Jalen Hurts. There's three starting quarterbacks from Alabama in the NFL right now. Oh, okay. There's three starting quarterbacks in the NFL from Alabama. Three. From one program. Okay, today, there's three Alabama quarterbacks starting. Three. 
Okay, today, you want to go today? Today, three. Joe Burrow, Ohio State fan, still, still, trying, to, still trying to take credit for him. <laughs> and you hate them all. I didn't say they were my favorite quarterback. I don't hate Jalen Hurts. All right, let me move on. Top 10 players. 10, Paris Johnson, 9, Christian Gonzalez, Oregon, Devon Witherspoon, Illinois, C.J. Stroud, 7, Peter Skronoski, 6, the offensive lineman. Something about that dude, man. He, he's got really short alligator arms. I mean, like, seriously, this guy walks around like this. I don't know. I mean, he's got arms like this. Hey, how you doing? Like, if he fell down... First thing that would hit would be his face, not his hands. <laughs> I don't think he's really he's he's not built like those eagle linemen. I like the kid Paris Johnson more than I do him, actually. Okay. Number five, Bryce Young. Tell me again. If you're if if you're Chicago, if you're Chicago. Are you really did you really make the right move by trading the number one pick away and not trading fields away? You should ask the Eagles what they think about not keeping Foles and trading Wentz away. You probably could have got a first rounder for Justin Fields. If he sucks this year, you couldn't get a fourth rounder for him. Yeah, but Sills, he gained a thousand yards. Great. <laughs> Great. If I'm looking to put a four by 100 team together, Justin Fields is my anchor. If I'm looking to build a quarterback and a football team around a starting quarterback in the NFL, he ain't it. <laughs> okay. He ain't it. Here are your four best players in the draft, but nobody in Philly wants these guys. <laughs> they want miles Murphy. <laughs> Tyree Wilson, Texas Tech, edge rusher. He, he is the second-best rusher, edge guy. Not the dude from Iowa who can't play the run and didn't start on his team. Number three is B.J. Robinson. How he's not drafting the running back. It's not what he does. It, that's a relevant talk. You're not in a rebuild. You don't draft a running back if you're in a rebuild. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't take a running back in the top three picks. Do you know Bill Parcells? Most of the time he was in a rebuild. Do you know Bill never drafted a running back in the top three rounds in his entire time as an executive with the Dolphins or head coach with the Jets, Patriots, or Giants? Do you know he never drafted a running back in the top three? And his teams were dominant running attacks. The Joe Morrises, the Dave Maggots, the O.J. Andersons, the Curtis Martins. Okay? Martin got hurt his senior year at Pitt. Fell in the draft, he drafted him. But most of the time, Bill was in a rebuild. Except when he got to New York. Remember something about New York. Bill Parcells didn't build that Giants team. Ray Perkins built that, that Giants team. Ray's the one that drafted Sims. Ray's the one that drafted Lawrence Taylor. Ray's the one that drafted Van Pelt. Ray's the one that put that old line and everything together. 
took the bumps and bruises. He's the one that hired Belichick. Everyone is always under the notion, Parcells, he hired Bill Belichick. Look at the talent he Ray Perkins hired Belichick. Bill was like the, I think the defensive coordinator or linebacker coach for Air Force. My family was so tied into the Giants. Robustelli told me all this. Listen, Bill. Bill didn't draft Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't hire Bill Belichick. Ray Perkins did. Then Perkins took the Alabama job because Bear Bryant died. It's the only reason he left New York. He left New York because Bear died. People change history, though, because one guy's on TV and the other guy's not. If, per if, if Perkins had stayed in New York, he'd have won them Super Bowls. He was the guy that drafted Lawrence Taylor when everyone told him not to. They already had Gary Reasons, Harry Carson, Van Pelt. They already had really superstar linebackers. He went, no, I'm not passing on. See, here's a great example of a guy not listening to the bullshit that people have. Ray Perkins, they go, dude, you got Gary Reasons. You, you got Harry Carson. You got Brad Van Pelt. You really need Lawrence Taylor? He goes, that guy right there is game-changing. And everybody in the building, including George Young, said, I don't know, man. Ray went like this. That guy is different. Sure enough, he drops him. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah, that, the rest is history. And everyone's like, well, Bill, you know, he's the guy that motivated. And it wasn't him, man. You think Lawrence Taylor needs any of that shit? BJ's third. So wait a minute. Get this. A lot of folks in the Philly media on the radio are, are saying this now. Well, B. John, I'm not giving up that type of asset and paying that guy at number 10, even though he's the third best player in the draft. You'd rather have a guy at 10 who's the 17th best player in the draft? How does that help you? That's overdrafting. That's overdrafting. Most of the time when you're in the top end of the draft, every quarterback but Bryce Young is going to be overdrafted. And the quality guys that are in that top 10 are Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, and Bijan Robinson. Those are the four best players in the top 10. But the quarterbacks are going to throw that off because, get this, that talent pool in my opinion, the quarterback's probably the third best grouping of players in the draft. But you're they're going <clears> to <throat> – Will Levis, if you went fundamentally, <clears throat> if you had to have a pickup football team or you had to pick the best players, do you know where Levis would be drafted? 25? Do you know where Anthony Richardson would be drafted? 47? Instead, he's going to be taken fourth. <laughs> They're going to take that guy fourth. And you're going to fall right on the Josh Rosen sword. There's not a chance that guy's successful. And if it is, it, it's, it, it's a dart being thrown 
in the dark that hits the bullseye. You, you land on that shit sometimes. Mississippi Valley State. How many players have come out of Mississippi Valley State that were Hall of Fame type players like Jerry Rice? How many great players have come out of Alcorn State outside of Steve McNair? How many people have come out of Texas A&I like Daryl Green? You land on them dudes. The dart in the dark hits the bullseye sometimes. Okay? Sometimes it hits. I just look at these quarterbacks and go, dude, I pray Anthony Richardson gets up there. Shit, I'm hoping this kid Hooker gets up there. Because that means those great players could slide down to 10. And then you could get a decent player at 10. The chance, for me, I want a decent player at 10. I'll trade 30. Get rid of 30. 30 is the less value pick. It's probably a starter, though, if you take him. But the 30 pick, that 10th pick has so much value to it, especially if quarterbacks start falling. I mean, think of how Aaron Rodgers fell all the way down into the 20s because everyone looked at Alex Smith. What it, Name me one quarterback, one quarterback that Urban Liar has ever produced that was a good quarterback in the NFL. Alex Smith, okay. I wouldn't call him a superstar. He's had one guy, Alex Smith. Alex Smith and the rest of them. Right? So he does, you know, he's talking about quarter. I, I saw Urban Liar talking about quarterbacks. I'm like, what would you possibly know? You threw Joe Burrow out of Columbus. What would him and Ryan Day know anything about quarter? Why would you listen to them guys? Here, Link, let's look at Lincoln Riley's record. Look at the quarterbacks that he has had under his. And from what I understand, I guess how he respects him. Okay. So let me get this right. CeeDee Lamb. Lane didn't play for him, did he? I thought Lane played for the other guy, Bob Stoops. So let me think of the offensive players. Kyle Murray. He's getting paid. Baker Mayfield. Who else? Jalen Hurts? Okay. He helped Jalen. Jordan Addison was a pit guy. And the only reason he went to Southern Cal is because they promised him a shitload of money on nil. He was already established a pity. He won the Bolitnikov. I vote on the Bolitnikov. I vote on the Bolitnikov. I'm on the board of directors of the Bolitnikov. And he wanted it pit. He was already established. <laughs> he, was just, he wasn't established because of Southern Cal. He was established at Pittsburgh. Baker has, hey, oh no, there's no doubt, man. You want to make money? 
You go play for Lincoln Riley. You want a long career in the NFL? You don't go to Lincoln Riley. Because most of them are bums. What's he won? Name me a defensive football player he's put in the NFL. Southern Cal will never be good with him. How can you respect a guy who doesn't build a full team? He didn't build a full team at OU. They were starting to get beat by Kansas. Where in the world is Lincoln Riley an elite coach? Who is telling people that? Oh, I know. That's because the Eagles were kind of kicking the tires on him being the head coach of the team. What has he won? There's no difference between him and Brian Kelly. I mean, who's the most elite player Lincoln Riley's ever put in the NFL? CeeDee Lamb? Who else? I can't think of one. Addison wasn't his guy. They had to pay him to come. Addison's a Southern Cal guy now. They paid him to go to USC. That's how they got him out of Pittsburgh. Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon played for Stoops. Stoops is the one that suspended him. Stoops suspended him for breaking that woman's jaw at Oklahoma. Not true. Okay? Not true. Okay? I mean, so how he leans on Lincoln Riley? Why? Look, this Caleb Williams kid that he recruited at OU. This guy can't beat Utah. Come on, son. I mean, name me a quarterback out of Southern Cal that has gone on to the NFL. Carson Palmer? Okay. <laughs> Nobody goes to SC anymore. Don't you see that? Those kids in Los Angeles all go to the Southeastern Conference now. Exposure, better coaching, better teams. Pac-12 is looking at adding San Diego State. How is that going to help Oregon? Oregon State and Cal and those other ones now that they've lost UCLA and USC. They even got out of California. Think about that. Hey, 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 Toad, think about it. USC and UCLA even left California. <laughs> uh, they even left. They're now playing Midwest teams. They don't even want to stay on the West Coast. Why? Because kids are all playing East. Nobody. I've tried telling you this about college football on the West Coast. It's awful. Players don't play there anymore. Outside of Southern Cal in Washington, I think 53, when UCLA won a national title back in the day, I think they've only had since like the 50s, one team won a national title on the West Coast. That wasn't Washington or USC. You've only had one team outside of USC, Washington. It's a joke. San Diego State Marshall Falk. Also, Donnell Pumphrey. Oh, you guys got a good look, an up-close and personal look at that dude. You talk about a guy needing a Tokyo phone book to look his coaches in the face. That guy was a little dude. I saw him at practice once. He come walking up to me. I go, who's this? He goes, that's Donnell Pumphrey. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. 
Holy cow, this guy's a little dude. Yeah. D Jax is from hey, hey, D Jax is from LA, yell. That's back when the Pac 12 was decent when he played in it. That's back when they were good. That's kind of like when they were decent. I think they stopped being good right after Pete Carroll left. Probably after Carroll left and maybe Chip left Oregon. Then that conference went to shit. It's totally terrible now. I would never, you could not convince me to go anywhere west. Maybe USC. But then I would look at their defense and go, they're 105. When I played at Miami, we were the top-ranked defense in the country every year I was there. <laughs> I mean, big sales don't go places where I see the number 105. <laughs> hey, Tone, your defense is ranked 105th. Yeah, well, I don't believe I'm going there. <laughs> I'd like to challenge myself a little bit. 105. Will Anderson's the best player in the draft. Sills Cody Kessler, underrated quarterback from Southern Cal. Who? <laughs> who's who? Who's who's Cody Kessler? Does he play for the Phillies? <laughs> hey, 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 Sills, Oregon State wants you to. Aren't, isn't your nickname the Beavers? So, like, I have one question. What do, what do you guys do when you have the rivalry between the Beavers and the Trojans? Just asking. Hour number three, hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
My name is uh, Fran Soleno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Hunter, this is for you, brother. I'm trying to get the kid to come and go. But all the old geezers don't want him to go. This is for you, Philly 500. Hmm? Yeah. Dude, you should have this. I owe you a hat already. I want to show you something else. I gotta send a I gotta send a box out. I had to sign this box, and I haven't sent it out in like three, two months. I probably got to send this Miami helmet out, and I and I gave him a picture. I gave him a picture. Big sales, they done. So, oh, by the way, the crimsicles are back. Philly, you need this, man. This has got to be for you, brother. This has got your name on it all over, doesn't it? It's, see, this picture here is Jerome when he was at Hernando. He wore number 42 at Hernando. See it? And then Jerome at Miami and then Jerome with the Eagles. It's got to be for you, brother. We'll do that. Two weeks out to the draft. Um, I said this yesterday. I still don't know. What's look the best interest for the team is to get a player that helps your quarterback win games. Okay. And that's where I'm at. By the way, it could be Bijan Robinson, Fred Robinson, Bob Robinson, Jackie Robinson. I don't care who it is. If that player helps Jalen win the Super Bowl, isn't that what this is about now? People are going, well, Dan, you're, you're a suspect with the defense, right? I go, yeah. But I'm pretty confident how he's going to make a trade. Not draft a guy. How many people believe what I just said? 
do, do you have more confidence in how we making a trade for a player or drafting one on defense? Smokey, I'm good with that, brother. Smokey helps me win the Super Bowl for sure because he helps me do a lot of other things, Joseph. <laughs> trade. Don't you think Howie, if he's going to help, dude, finding CJ Gardner Johnson was a brilliant move. Trading for, why, Arthur? I knew Jackie. Did you? Um, trading for Slay, signing Reddick. I think he's going to make a move. I, I think Howie is looking at all the rosters right now. There could be salary cap casualties too. Remember, June one's coming. You guys remember that, right? June one's coming. When June 1 comes, the teams have to get to 90. Fly goes like this. You knew Jackie Robinson? Yeah. Where's that thing I had? Rachel gave it to me. Oh, here it is. My dad used to play golf with him, too, at Hubbard Heights. He lived in Stanford, where I'm from. And the Jackie Robinson Foundation gave me this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. Used to see him at Hubbard Heights all the time playing golf. You, hey, do, do you under, hey, you want to you hear something? Hey, hey Fly, you want to hear something now? Ugh, weapon, be quiet. You want to hear something, though? Dude, you guys are going to really, really look at me how I looked at Jackie Robinson. So I went like this. My dad go, My dad played golf with him because my dad was a big golfer. Jackie loved playing at Hubbard Heights. My aunt knows the story. And he lived at Pound Ridge. I swam in it. I went to school with his kids. His kids went to Stanford Catholic. And so I'm sitting there. My dad goes, you'll know who he is when you're older. And I go, I looked the stats up. Daddy hit 301, had like 140 home runs, some like 900 RB. I was like, I don't know. This guy's not, I mean, this guy's not Honus Wagner or anything. He's like, you'll get it. <laughs> I'm like, he hit 301. I mean, right, yeah, not really. I'm like, <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, we ha I have his autograph somewhere. It's in the garage. I know. Don't don't kill me. I think I got a signed baseball bat by him. I think I got a hey, hey, yeah. I think I got a signed baseball or bat by him downstairs somewhere. Because I got a Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, and Dimaggio, and I, I I got those signed. I got I got a Dimaggio bat. I got a Mantle bat, a Maris bat, and I got a Jackie Robinson bat. Those are my four. They're all in containers, though. I probably shouldn't be saying. <laughs> They're locked away, though. You played against Bill Berge, man. Bill Berge, man. What a great. Moon's kids? Cool. Yeah. Chargers is like purgatory. Okay. 
should have gotten it. I, I did get his autograph. And by the way, he I got pictures of him and my uncle, Andy Robustelli, together. They used to do all kinds of events when I was a kid around Stanford. And the Robinson's we all and, and so did uh, Bobby Valentine. We all knew Jackie. Jackie was huge. I, I I think he passed away when I was like 11 or 12, something like that. When he passed away. Oh, dude, that Reggie, man. I was a big Reggie Jackson fan. He's from Philly, actually, isn't he? Reginald Martinez, Buck Jackson. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think he's from Philadelphia. I think Reggie's from Philly. I, I, I thought he was from Philadelphia. Then he went to Arizona State on a football and baseball scholarship. But I think Reggie, I, I, I think, I think Reggie is going to, um, um, I, I think Reggie's from Philly. My favorite baseball player is this guy though. I've showed some of you this tone. You'll love this. Dear God. I want to thank Terry Francona and Kurt Schilling who else? Darren Dalton for making this happen for big sales. This was the crowning thing that Darren Dalton did for me. Thank you so much. My favorite baseball player of all time. You guys know who that is? You guys know who that is? You guys know who signed that baseball? He's my favorite baseball player of all time. Fly got it. It's Dick Allen. Won't palm. Won't palm. Darren Dalton goes to Dick Allen. Dick, come on. Rich, come over here. I think he called him Richie. I was like, who's Richie? He goes, Richie Allen, jackass. I go, Richie Allen? He goes, yeah, Richie. Dick Allen, you, you stick with Dick Allen. Yeah. He goes, you just stick with he, Richie, come over. So they called him, his close friends called him Richie Allen. He goes, sign this baseball. Threw a baseball for me, and Dick Allen signed it for me. He was rookie of the year in 61. Oh, man, I love Dick Allen. He, he would talk shit to Philadelphia's sports fans by putting that shit in the dirt on first base. He had a love-hate relationship with you guys. I had him on my program numerous times. And Dick Allen used to, he used to go, oh, man, I used to tell people, kiss my ass and shit. I'd write it in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. Dude, one vote away from going to the Baseball Hall of Fame on the vet. Oh, man. Broke my heart, man. And then he passed away a couple years ago. Oh, man, I love Dick Allen. Before he passed away, he started following me on Twitter. I was talking back and I go, hey, man, you know you're my favorite ball player. Oh, my God, I love Dick Allen. Him and Reggie, I thought were just – and then Dick Allen won the MVP, I think when he left Philly in 73 with the, um, with the White Sox. And he was great in Chicago. Arthur, thank you. Oh, I got, Arthur, I've got so much dumb shit. My wife comes here and she goes – Dude, take some of that stuff out of here, will you please? I've got so much stuff. We, I got, I found a Jack Nicholas signed like picture he sent me. I got a, I've got a, a Bill Russell picture signed. It's crazy. 
And, you know, people give it to me. I got, I got five Ted Williams baseballs. I ne- hey, Yale, I never got this. So I'm, I'm in Tampa covering the Rays, right? And Ted Williams walks into my studio. And, and his wacko kid. They got a ton of baseballs. And I'm, I, I look at the Rays guys and I'm like, why is Ted Williams with you guys? Well, we got a, we got a Hall of Fame at um, the Trop. Uh, you got a Ted Williams Hall of Fame at the Trop? He goes, yeah. I'm like, why? Ugh. Yeah, have you seen the Gordie Howe one? Yeah, have you seen the Gordie Howe? Have you seen my Gordie Howe? I, I'll get I'll get back into it. I promise. We'll get back into the draft here in a sec. In a second, have you seen my Gordie Howe signature? Have you seen this thing? Have you seen this? Oh, you got to see this Gordie Howe. Hang on, Tone. Hang on for a second. I gotta get this. So, yeah, so I'm living in uh, Tampa and somebody's listening to my show and he knew I knew Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr goes, and he knew Orr and all this and Orr calls me and goes, hey, how wants to meet you with his wife? And I'm going like this, Gordy, how wants to meet me? He goes, yeah, this is. Bob, you are. I post a picture. So Gordy comes up with this book. And how. And in the book, to my wife and Dan, our kindest regards, Gordy and Colleen Howe, Mr. and Mrs. Hockey. Signed it for me. And how. This is a keepsake. This is a keepsake. I hey, Yale. Hey, hey, yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know. You got you guys have to know this. Most of the time when I tell people all this shit that I have, they think I'm, I get a very so I hope my daughter finds a Barry Bonds book. In the book, Bond signed it. I didn't know that. Let me see. I did radio in 95. I first started at KMBR. I had no idea, Tone. I had no idea that Bond signed the book. I opened it up. She's like, Dad, Bond signed it. I'm like, what? Give me that. Took it out of the garage. Bond had signed. Sure enough, Bond signed the book for me. He used to come on my show when I was doing the, I used to do the post game show for the giants on KMBR. Dude, crazy, man. I got a ton of shit, dude. You'd be shocked. Oh, Astro turf. If a cow can't chew it, <laughs> I don't want to play on it. That's awesome stuff. All right. I got a bunch of ore stuff too, man. And bonds doesn't like anyone. Hey, Arthur, this is what I used to do because when I would go into the – Dusty Baker and I are dear friends. 
And Dusty, when he was managing the Giants, I used to do the post-game show. And then I had an afternoon show in San Francisco. So I, 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 I'm me being an ex-athlete, I know some guys are just, they're just dicks one day. And sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're okay. Sometimes they're this. So I'm sitting there and here's Dusty. Here's Dusty going like this. Not today, not today, not today. So I'm sitting there. Everyone's getting this. You remember Pedro Gomez? He's getting destroyed by Ponce. You mother... Ponce is just killing him. He sits over. He sits next to me. He's sweating. And I don't say shit to him. He goes, well, how come you haven't said anything? He goes, because I know who you are. He he looked at me. He goes, what's that mean? I said, look, man, you're in this mood. I I wouldn't ask you for a glass of water if I was dying. He, he looked at me, he goes, well, that's because you're an athlete. I said, well, here, why don't you do this? Why don't you go get Jeff Kent to uh, give you a glass of water? He starts laughing. I said, well, make sure there's not like a Confederate flag on that cup if Kent gives it to you. Kent heard me say that. He comes flying over to me. I go, you don't want none of me. <laughs> don't ever raise your hands to me, hon. Don't ever do that again. You raise your hands again to me, hon, you're going to have some problems with me. He said, you calling me a racist? I go, no, Bonds did. Bonds goes, what? <laughs> Dude. You see, Bonds knew. Bonds knew that I knew. Ken Griffey Jr. and Barry Bonds and I were having a conversation on the air on my show one day. And this is what I said. Why wouldn't Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey Jr. know racism? They grew up in a dugout. Think about this. All you did was grow up in the dugout in the 70s when you were Bonds and Griffey Jr. All you saw was racism towards their fathers, Bobby Bonds and Ken Griffey Sr. Sr. played in in, uh, Cincinnati, one of the most racist cities there is. Bonds' father, all he ever knew was racist conversations being thrown at him. Why wouldn't those? Those guys were raised in dugouts. They were raised around their dads. They, that's all they ever saw was their dads being denigrated. Why wouldn't they have why wouldn't they have pause when it came to reporters? Because saw their pops go through it. That's all they ever knew. Okay, that's all they ever knew was racism. And so when someone tried to get under Bonds' skin. He thought, well, they tried getting under my dad's. By the way, Bobby Bonds was a hell of a ball player. And Ken Griffey Sr. played on the big red machine. So the media never understood that. The media was, they weren't raised like those guys were. Those guys were raised in dugouts. So their dads being kicked around and shit all over. That's all they ever knew. And if you didn't know that, Bonds is sitting there going, Griffey Jr., who lives in Orlando now, he goes, how did you, how do you know that? I go, well, I'm an athlete. I see it all the time. How else? Those guys weren't raised in high schools. They were raised in dugouts. Okay. That's all they ever knew. So Bonds' attitude towards the reporters was a reflection of Mays. You know, Willie Mays couldn't buy a house in like the Columbus area of San Francisco when they moved west, the Giants. Because they didn't want to sell them the blacks. 
They had to get the mayor of San Francisco to okay Willie Mays to buy a home. Mays told the story on the air. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah. I wanted to live in a really nice place. My kids could go to great schools. City of San Francisco didn't want Mays to live in an area that was predominantly white. And that's his godfather. That's all he ever knew. I knew one of the greatest things I ever had was that I broke ground on, on Pac Bell Park. And I got a chance to be there. And I think I've told some of you this, that I had a great opportunity to break ground on Pac Bell Park. And there was Stretch, McCovey, Marichal, Cepeda, Mays, um, and Barry Bonds. Those guys were all there and we broke ground right there in China Basin. I got a shovel in my hand and I'm, I'm, I'm we're, we're breaking ground. And here's Orlando Cepeda, Marichal, <laughs> McCovey, Bonds. I think one of the Alus was there too. I'm sitting there talking to these guys. I should Vita Blue is different. Vita Blue used to come on my show all the time. He's a great dude, Vita Blue. Played with the Giants as well. Crazy. Crazy times. All right. Let me roll back into, in two weeks, the NFL draft here. Um, I told you at the beginning of the show, there's three things. And I would put, I would put my board if I was Howie together like this. Look. See this here? This is his draft history. And again, I'm, we're not going into a rip job here. But this is what they do. The chances of the Eagles landing on an impact player to help you win a Super Bowl if he's not an old lineman is slim to none. Do we not agree with that at least? And there, there's tons of examples here. However... There's great examples of how we making trades. What is how we need trade bait? And what does he need to do to make those trades? What does he have to have? Draft picks. Draft picks. I believe this. Howie Roseman has a better chance of landing on a veteran that's on a roster somewhere right now. We don't know. Than finding a guy in the draft. Do you know if you can find Gardner Johnson making $836,000 a year? He systematically, think about what Roseman did. He turned an $800,000 a year guy into an $8 million secondary player. He found him. The Saints didn't even. You think the Saints were ever going to pay $6 million with incentives this year to keep Gardner Johnson? Never. They didn't know what they had, how he did. How he knew what they had. I believe this because he's got a track record of this. Slay, Slay was good in Detroit, but I think they gave up on Slay because they never really thought he was a good man covered cornerback. And Patricia liked to play man. That's what they play in New England. They like man coverage up there. They don't like that zone coverage. See, Belichick is still caught in the, 
90s and 2000s with that man coverage. Because I'm starting to think what other people are starting to do now. Hey, maybe Gannon's onto something in the rest of these coordinators. You know, if exhibition football doesn't matter, maybe playing zone coverage does. Because look, watch this. Think about what the talent. Even though I don't like your talent on defense, do you not agree with me this? Well, Seals, who are the quarterbacks in the NFC? Say the Eagles get to the playoffs. Who would the Eagles face in the playoffs? That's a quarterback that makes you nervous. Kirk Cousins? Dak? Maybe. Stafford? Who, who, who would? Purdy? Purdy wouldn't make me nervous. The team would. The Niners would. I don't know if he would. Let's see what he does this year, right? My point is, maybe you don't have to have the same talent you had a year ago. There's really no threatening quarterbacks. or th- who The biggest threats, I think, in the NFC this year are Dallas, I guess Minnesota, San Francisco, Seattle, and who else? Who, the, who are the five biggest threats to Philly? And then it pretty much answers your question about what type of defense you have. If you're in the AFC, I got to play Burrow and Allen and Lamar as of now. Now Rodgers, Mahomes, Herbert. I got to play all of those guys. All of those guys are threats to beat you. Shit, the Colts beat the, the, Colts beat the Chiefs last year. Okay, but who, if you're looking at the NFC now, what's the biggest threat? Niners? Here, let me write them down. I, a big pick, and that's a good one too. I'll get to that. 49ers? Vikings? Cowboys? Seahawks? Saints? No way, Bears. So look at the quarterbacks. Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Dak, Kirk Cousins, and Brock Purdy. Not a gauntlet of quarterbacks that make you stay up at night. So if you're the Eagles, doesn't it make more sense to just pack that offense as much as you possibly can. Let Howie go out and find some edge rushers like he did a year ago. Some linebackers like he did a year ago. Some safeties like he did a year ago. And do this. Play that zone coverage. Because you know why? Purdy's going to make a mistake. Cousins always makes mistakes. Carr always makes mistakes. Dak led the NFL in interceptions last year. And Geno is probably the best of the bunch. But Geno and even that Seahawks team is not going to go on a 14-play drive and not make mistakes. So if you're Philly, why not get one player that... Hey, to me again, if it's not Carter... Here's the pool. 
if it's not Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, get a guard. Get a guard. Or get B.J. Robinson. A wide receiver doesn't here. Let me let me I'm, I'm gonna throw something out at you too on, on, on Quez. If we don't get a cover linebacker, good night to the middle of the field. Weapon, I'm gonna tell you something that I think the one thing that I'll give N'Kobe Dean credit on. N'Kobe Dean kind of kind of reminds me of a cover two linebacker. What's that mean? You can be undersized, but they're not going to play cover two. Derek Brooks was a six foot two, 205 pound linebacker when he came out of Florida State. Look it up. But they played a Tampa two. And Tampa two, what does that mean? They're deeper off the ball. I've said this to you Mike Tomlin's biggest problem that he has in Pittsburgh on that defense is not his tackles or his edge rushers. It's his linebackers. When they lost Ryan Shazier, they lost the Gronk neutralizer and the Kelsey neutralizer because he could drop in coverage and stuff the run. Shazier's the biggest loss they've had. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and Ben Roethlisberger included. He was the equalizer. He... He covered Gronk. I'll tell you, of all the players that ever covered Gronk, okay, Ryan Shazier was the best at it. Gronk couldn't get away from him. That's And where did Tomlin learn to cover two? Tony Dungy and Tampa when he was on the coaching staff. And Lovey Smith was there. So when you have undersized linebackers, You've got to have playmaking dudes in front of you. Who did the Bucs have in front of them? Simeon Rice. Booger McFarlane. Warren Sapp. Chidi Ahanatu. Brad Culpepper. They had all those dudes up front that made plays. And it allowed their DBs slash linebackers to drop deeper in cover. They were deep. Look at some of the tape of Derek Brooks. Played further off the ball because he was a cover two guy. See, to me, the Kobe Dean, I think if he's in Pittsburgh, I think he's a star in Pittsburgh because they would put him in a defense that helped his style. Putting him in a 34 does not help him. He's a Tampa two. My evaluation of Kobe Dean, he's more of a Tampa two guy. He's more of that kind of guy. Derek Brooks wasn't physical. Derek Brooks was physical with what? Backs and wideouts and tight ends. He wasn't physical at the point of attack. He had guys up front handling that. Okay? To me, he is a Tampa 2 cover linebacker. Get him further. Hey, don't move him closer to the ball. Move him further back. But that means you got to play like a bare front or a 50 front. You, you, you can't let Landon Dickerson get a piece of the Kobe Dean. It's a nightmare. He'll put it, dude, the space alone, he'll knock him on his ass. 
you got to be smart in how you technically use him. Okay? Do I think the Kobe Dean could be a really – like, if you put the Kobe Dean on that buck defense that Tony Dungy had, he'd be an all-pro. You put him in a 34 in Philly, he'll be out of the league in two years. Schemes matter. Ask Barrett. You could be put in a horrible techniques. You could be put in horrible schemes that don't look, look here. Let me tell you, okay, who's the kid that they brought in? May Smith. Mozzie Smith, is that how you say it? Kid from Michigan. Let me tell you why this guy would be a good pickup. So they brought Mozzie Smith in, right? The kid from Michigan. Look at what I wrote down about him. 6'3", 290. True nose guard. He's a third-round guy. He's not a first-round guy. Not one person's grading him as a first-rounder. He He's somewhere between three and five. I'm talking rounds. Um, he's explosive. He's a true nose. Um, he's a hard grave type player. Now, I don't know if he could play three technique, but you could put him in a one technique or over the nose, but you already supposedly got that. What you don't want to do here with a guy like this is duplicate positions. Because you need pressure in the middle. I'm assuming they're thinking that's Fletcher Cox still. Okay? But Mozzie Smith is not a pass rushing guy. He's got starts. He started a while. He's a perfect size for the nose. And I think if you're going to play a 34, this guy would be a great sign in the third round. Not overdrafting. He's going to play for you. He could start for you. And then if you want to go forefront, you could put Fletcher in the three, put this guy on the one. And unfortunately, in my opinion, Jordan Davis would be the swing guy. That's not what the Eagles want, though. They're probably going to sign, if they drafted this kid, they would draft him for depth. And they would push Jordan. Well, Jordan's going to be, Jordan, in my opinion, Jordan Davis is not a three technique. He'll never be a three technique. He's a one or a zero. Okay? Maybe a two technique. Maybe. He's not a three technique. He's not Aaron Donald or any of these guys like Cardgrave or them guys that get up the field like that. He'll never be that guy. I don't care what his athleticism chart reads. He's never been that guy, and he'll never develop into that guy. He's pretty much who he is. He's a talented kid. Hey, could Jordan Davis flash? Yes. His athleticism dictates that. But he's never done it consistently in his entire life. Look at Arthur. Davis is a generational talent. Where? Most tackles he ever had was 20 at Georgia and nine sacks. None this year. He's never been. No, he's a generational combine guy, you mean. No, 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 Arthur, you missed it. He's a generational combine guy who wowed you at the combines, but not on his production tape. That's who he is. 
not who you think you want him to be. That's who he is. Fletcher Cox showed flashes immediately his rookie season. I saw it and everyone saw it. Lateral movement, great. Hand placement. Country strong dude. Could put him in a three. Could line him up maybe in a five technique. He could swing all the way up and down the line of scrimmage for the size he is at 6'4". You saw that. And productive. 70 sacks in his career. Fantastic. But he did that from day one. I'm here on April 13th talking about a guy who's been on the team for over a year and done nothing. Okay. Seals, would you swap first with Tampa with adding Devin White? Here's the ultimate dream, Jesse. Here's the dream, okay? At 10, I trade out of 10. I I send a 30th pick. No, no. I get Jalen Carter at 10. I send a 30th pick to Tampa for Devin White. I win the draft. I win the draft. Jalen Carter at 10. Devin White in a trade with the Bucks. You win the draft. You would have had a better draft than you did a year ago. And that's getting A.J. Brown. You put a true three technique and a Jerome Brown in the middle. You would have Jerome Brown and Fletcher Cox as your tackles. With the heir apparent to Fletcher and Jordan, and that Fletcher and Jordan, um, Jalen Carter, and then get this, you slide Davis. Dude, I don't mind Jordan Davis playing behind Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox. I mind if this kid, not Mozzie Smith, walks in and starts starting over Davis, then you got a problem. Despite requests, Bucks have. No plans to trade Devin White. Well, let's see this vet when it gets closer to the uh, trading deadline. And by the way, that's great for Jason Light to say that. But having a conversation with Jason Light, you know, they're like $40 million of dead cap money they have to get rid of. They have to dump a shitload of money. And he's looking for a long-term deal. He may not report to camp. Look at what Yale says here. Are you going to pay White $20 million a year? Does that put me in the NFC Championship game, Yale, that $20 million? Here, let me put it back on you, Yale. If signing Devin White for $20 million and getting Jalen Carter at 10 put me back in the NFC title game, would you do it? Would you do it? And then worry about the salary cap next year and, 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 and then work on it like, like my guy Tone says. Clay. Slays, Sills, would you trade number 10 and Slay to Detroit and move up for the pick and take Carter? If I'm moving up, Arthur, I'm moving up for Will Anderson. 
I'm moving up for Will Anderson. Now, the thing with Chicago, Chicago, why would Chicago want to take a gamble on Jalen Carter when there's no leadership in that building yet at all? I think you got to go Tyree Wilson, edge rusher, man. They just lost Robert Quinn. They signed two linebackers. They let Roquan Smith go. Talk about a team that just never gets anything right. My God, the Bears are awful in the draft. So you let go Roquan Smith. Okay. Then you you spend $200 million almost, $150 million on linebackers. You get rid of Robert Quinn. You have no edge rusher. And you get rid of Hakeem uh, Hicks too. You, you've, you've, you've gutted the whole team. They need an old lineman or edge rusher. It just doesn't make sense. Why? And, and then you bring in a guy who has some question marks into a plate. Watch this, Jalen Carter into Philly. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Jalen Carter to Chicago? I don't know. That's a remedy for disaster. It's a remedy for disaster, man. And, and hey, and if I'm telling you this, the Bears at seven, should the Bears trade out of seven? Trade down with, how about if the Bears requested to trade to 10? They want your 10th pick. Because here's, here, here, get this. If you trade down to 10, you're still getting your edge rusher. And they request to go down there and they want to get somebody there. Because they want to take an old lineman. I don't think they want to take an old lineman at seven. Do you? If I'm going to take an old lineman, I'm not going to let Skarnowski get out of the top 10. So I'll go to 10. Hey, Bucks or Eagles. I'll give you a second rounder. And your 10th pick. And the seventh pick. You move up to our spot. Nah, we're pretty comfortable where we are. See, after a while, get this. Some people will go, but Sills, that's the seventh pick. You're the one calling me. You're the one asking me for the trade. That's why you got to be patient here. Dude, I think they're taking a ton of calls. Bears are at nine. Okay. Bears are at nine. Shit, that's perfect. Oh, let's go 10. We'll get our old lineman. And you have a gentleman's agreement. You're going to take Jalen Carter at nine. Bears take their old lineman at 10. And you get another pick out of the Bears, probably a fourth rounder. Because you don't want to get too crazy, but the Eagles don't have a fourth rounder. Then you, you're adding equity when you want to go and make a deal to find a linebacker or a safety like he did in the offseason. Howie's, look at how late he worked. It was nine days before the start of the season before he turned an $800,000 player into the $6 million man and C.J. Gardner. How he turned an $800,000 player nine days out from the start of the season into the $6 million man. That is keeping your shit together. Remember they tried to get that kid from San Francisco? They brought him in. And he was a stiff. They got rid of him right away. And he and he calls up New Orleans. Hey, what about Gardner Johnson? Gardner Johnson? Yeah, okay. 
This year, the Eagles will get the tight end special. What is your thoughts about linebackers coach out of Temple? Weapon, I would say this to you. When it comes to hiring coaches and it comes to putting people on coaching staffs, I think the Eagles are exceptional. I, 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 and, and to me, Doug Peterson was wrong here. Doug was wrong. At the end of the day, Doug Peterson was wrong to have that battle with Howie over assistant coaches and some say in personnel. He was wrong. Well, maybe not so much the draft, but when it came to making deals, if he was bitching over the deals and trades, he's wrong. And if he's talking about assistant coaches, they've done a pretty good job of putting – look at the NFL coaches that are in the league now because of the places that they started in Philly. Or even look at the executives, Andrew Barry, uh, Joe Ferguson – or Joe uh, Douglas, the guy at Pittsburgh – I mean, they do a good job hiring. So if you want to start having conversations about whether Doug was right or wrong, I think at the end he was wrong. Okay? Because they have done a nice job at hirings. Even the stupid-ass Chip Kelly hire. He didn't have a losing record. Okay? Roland, Doug really wanted to keep the OC. At the end of the day, though, is that a battle you really want to fight? If that's the battle you really want to fight, you need to go somewhere else. And he did. And now he's got the autonomy to do that. And he built up the equity in the league to do that by winning that Super Bowl. And he sure has shown it in Jacksonville. He's turned the culture around. He's turned Trevor Lawrence around. He, he's done all that. Okay. McMullen said that Rager was a Doug in coaching pick. So of all the picks in the NFL draft, Jalen Rager was a Doug Peterson pick. Wow. (laughs) That's the first I heard of that. So how he turned over a first round pick to Doug. I'm going to take a time out. Hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Metson Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Heading down the shore. Have a ball once more. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. 
because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. My name is uh, Fran Soleno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. National Football Show. So check out check out the new rumors going around the Patriots. When it comes to Bill Belichick's future, it's being reported now that after the draft, Nick Casario is going back to New England. And that's because Kraft wants to hire him back as the director of personnel. So you're going to take some of the power out of Belichick's hands by bringing Nick Casario in? You bring Nick Casario in to fire him or push him out. I, it's a, I mean, keep an eye on that. If Casario goes back to New England on the behest of the owner, they're making plans to get rid of Belichick or to push him somewhere in the front office. So, I mean, I, I heard that this morning and I was like, I'm like, okay, you're going to start taking power away from him now? That's the first sign of you being told that, hey, you got some pressure on you to start winning. They haven't had a win, a playoff win since Brady left. Okay, they haven't had a playoff win since Brady left. Look, look, Bill's resume will never be destroyed. He's built the greatest resume for coach and anybody in history. Okay, anybody. He's drafted players and quarterbacks that are still playing in this league today. And it'll never be, but the ending sometimes. Well, what's that old saying? If you stay too long, you become the villain. That's kind of what's happening here. You see, he wants that record of Don Shula. Most regular season wins. 
Who cares about that? You've got the most postseason wins, the most Super Bowl wins. Who gives a shit? So you won more regular season games. Congratulations, Don. But at the end of the day, Don Shula even failed. Dan Marino couldn't put a team around him because he allowed the player to run the, run the whole thing. Marino was never put in check. Okay? I mean, so Casario going back, I think it's big news. I think it's the beginning of the end when you're talking about um, the replacement for Belichick. Personally, if that were me, I would do everything in my power to get Mike Vrabel up there. Vrabel was the one that ended the Brady-Belichick dynasty. He's a former player. He's an NFL coach of the year. He's a patriot. To me, that's the guy. That's the guy that takes over for Bill, in my opinion. Another defensive guy. Mike Vrabel makes all the sense in the world as the replacement for Belichick. The The respect of a former player. He's got the heritage, the lineage. He's got the guile. He's got the attitude. Tell me Mike Vrabel doesn't look like the heir apparent of Bill Belichick in New England. Okay? He looks like the guy. He was on the team with with Bruschi and them guys that started that whole thing. Why not do that? By the way, according to Adamic and Sue's representatives, Sue's open to come back in 2023. He says all things are on the table here. Um, would you invite Sue back? Would you, would you bring Sue back? I think he had something like 10 tackles, a sack. I thought the role they had him in, I thought he was great. I thought he was great in the role, but he, it was 3 million. The price has to be right, Tone said. And remember something. The Eagles paid him. I think they may have prorated it, if I'm not mistaken. I think they prorated the $3 million because I think he came halfway. Am I right when I say this? It was either after the Tennessee or after the Pittsburgh game that they signed them two dudes. It was, it was either Tennessee or Pittsburgh that they brought those two dudes in. I'd be open to bringing Sue back. Linville too, man. I think those guys were good. I think those guys in their roles were good. Also, he's one that knocked out the third quarterback in the NFC title game. Wait a minute. Hey, Tone, Dominic Sue taking quarterbacks out, legal or otherwise. Okay. <laughs> hey, I actually like that. <laughs> Even more so now that I think about it. Okay, I, I I I like that. I don't I don't have a problem. And by the way, you like you said, you bring him back, all things are open. He doesn't pan out. You get rid of him. I mean, somebody like Sue is going to cost you two and a half million bucks. But I would wait. I would wait into the season. I I I give it a, I give it a shot. And see what I got. I think that's kind of what they'll do. But I, I don't I don't I don't think Howie would have a problem going one one or the other. I think one or the other. I'd rather have Sue than Linville Joe. Sue signed in November. Sounds right. 
That's when guys were kind of trying. That's when guys were starting to get a little bit worn down. Okay, that's when they were. Both those guys. So wait, watch this. Linville Joseph, Adamic Sue, Jordan Davis, the new kid from New Orleans. Mozzie Smith and Jordan Davis. Sounds like a good group to me. Oh, sounds like um, I'm all right with that. My edge rushers, you're a little light in the edge rushers. And I mean by in depth. Patrick Queen wants out of Baltimore. Should we make a trade second or third round? Do you think he would be an impact player? Always remember this, Raymond. Do we even know what the scheme that they're going to play in Philly yet? Do we know it's a 34, 43, 50 look, wide sevens and nines? What do, do we even know? I'm being told that it's going to resemble what they did a year ago. Okay. All right. That means two linebackers on the field. I don't think you'll ever see them with three. I, I happen to agree with Tone. Today's NFL, man, you got to get a nickel. You got to have guys all over the field. Okay? You got to have guys all over the field. All right. Guys, we're awesome again, man. I mean, two weeks to the NFL draft. Fantastic stuff as always. I want to thank Merrill Reese for coming aboard with us. Tone, special stuff as always. Such a great contributor, man, to all the shows he is. Want to thank Xander and Big Joe. Thank you guys very much. Till tomorrow, 3 to 6 Eastern. We shall see you on the flip side. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.